Hey guys, brand new podcast, and I am on tour this weekend with Nate Bargatze, Kyle Kinane, and don't you dare, don't you dare. This is what's hard doing this with Leanne. There's no second takes. I don't know what you're talking about. I was just listening, honey. Okay. You are on me like white on fucking rice today. I am not doing anything wrong. But in your brain, I am doing everything wrong, including breathing. I think you are detoxing. And I think you need to take a deep breath. I'm not doing anything wrong. I was just listening to you go, hey guys, brand new podcast. Me and Sal and Nate Bargatze. That's all I was doing. I wasn't doing anything else. Me, Sal, and Nate are in (laughs) Buffalo, Chicago, and Detroit, respectively, this weekend. Come see us uh, on the tour tour. You can find tickets at BurtBurtBurt.com or at Instagram. What? You are such a pain in the ass sometimes. Whatever goes on in that brain of yours, that what I go... It really smells like fish. And you think I'm saying, hey, you piece of shit, asshole, you have bought the wrong fish. When really all I said was, hey, the fish really smells. That's all I said. Everything's been like that all day. All day. And I'm really not doing anything. I'm just staring off into space and you accuse me of doing something. Today's podcast is brought to you by... Uh, Beachbody On Demand. My wife looks absolutely fantastic. Thanks, babe. That's really nice of you. And she has been hardcore onto Beachbody On Demand. Yep, I love it. That's been her app. Is uh, It's super easy. You, you'll hear at the end, but you just text something, and then you can get the whole platform for free. The platform is every one of the greatest beach workout, every one of the greatest workout videos. It's got like P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, T25, Brazilian butt lift, hip hop abs, Pio, three week yoga retreat. And Leanne's been doing the 21 day fix. And she, we both got off it. We went on a cruise. Uh, we've, and it's been, we've been part, I've definitely gained weight. I'm just started training, legit training for a triathlon. I have a coach and I'm a nutritionist. So, which is awesome. I'll talk about that on open tabs, I am certain. Um, but, it's, it's pretty amazing because for me, when I go on the road, and that's the hardest part, is I get to a hotel and I don't know what to do. And so I can just very easily go on the app. We actually ended up buying, uh, buying it twice, oddly enough, because we had a uh, one that they give you so that you can try it out so you can talk about it. And we used it so much that... Uh, I think it expired and then we were like well we fucking definitely use this so we ended up buying it we signed up for the service ourselves um, they are a sponsor but for as inexpensive as it is I think it's like 100 bucks a year or it's something it's like 8.95 a month 8.95 a month it was so it's so worth it for us because I look, mean it's less than 10 bucks a month I'm f- and that's so much easier than a gym membership I think that's right that may not be right I don't know that may not be right I, I don't want to fuck it's this up it's less than 200 bucks for sure yeah Whatever it is, don't hold us to that because... Yeah, don't hold me to that. Don't hold us to any statement about how much money is or whatever. All I'll say is that we signed up for it ourselves. We are paying it out of our pocket um, because we like it. It really works for us. Yep. Leanne does a 21-day fix workout every morning. I do, every morning because it's 30 minutes. And I feel like if I can't do 30 minutes, I can't complain about what I look like. Yeah, and they have workouts that are as short as 10 minutes, and they don't require any extra equipment. So that's what the, what's beautiful about this is you can go through and flip through and flip through and flip through and find the workout that's appealing to you where you go, I do have 20, I can give it 22 minutes. Right. Like in training for this triathlon, I have to do bike then 
running or swim then bike. I have to do it in the order. I don't have to do it in the order I do it in, but I'm doing it in the order I doing it in the race so that I get accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. And it is fucking just tough. I wish they had a, a triathlon series on here. That would be fucking great. But it's great because you can use it anytime, anywhere, on your computer, your, t- your TV, your tablet, your smartphone, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, and it's huge. It is over a million people currently on Beachbody On Demand, and it literally is the best deal. Right now, you can get it for free. That's what we should have said in the beginning. You can get it for free because if you text 303030 to Bert, if you text Bert to 303030, <laughs> text BERT to 303030, you can get full access to the entire platform for free all the workouts the nutritional information and support totally free just text BERT to 303030 trust us this it's is an really app we awesome. use. We yeah. love it. I use it every single day. We don't day. really fuck with any advertisers that we don't legit no, use. not really, no. Speaking of which, you know exactly what we're going to talk about next. This podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron has changed the way our family interacts with each other. Why? Because they de- deliver fresh ingredients for a meal. For four. We choose the four plan. And they... Uh, to your front door then you cook it it's inexpensive it's less than $10 per person and it never takes longer than 45 minutes to cook a meal that is, I'm talking you start it and you're eating 45 minutes later unless your kids are fucking exhausting and they're like dad I'm in the middle of homework and then I'm like great well I guess I'll eat without you because I don't like cold food they've got a two person meal plan a family meal plan and a wine meal plan the two person serves two people you can choose from eight new recipes per week and receive either two or three recipes any week. The family meal plan serves four. That's the one we've got. And you can choose four new recipes per week and receive either two, three, or four new recipes any week. And also the wine plan, which is six bottles of wine from renowned winemakers delivered monthly. Look, it's inexpensive. It's affordable. It's convenient. It is... It is... uh, It's fun. It's delicious. It's high quality, no GMO ingredients, meat with no added hormones, and it's flexible. You have a ton of meals to look forward to. Uh, So here's the call. Let's see what they've got coming up. Uh, Creamy caramelized onion burgers with apple and pickle pepper salad. Nice. Oh, Christy Teigen's garlic soy (laughs) glazed shrimp with charred broccoli and hot green peppers. Here's what I'll say about Christy Teigen. She did not realize that when she puts her name on that, right? Like when she puts her name on a recipe, that is what they'll be talking about all dinner is Christy Teigen. Yeah. It's almost brilliant. Yeah. Like if you did the Donald Trump uh, chicken and hamburger, I'm trying to think of what, I don't know, but like, then, and you're like, this is Donald Trump's recipe. Then all you end up talking about is Donald Trump. We should do a Burt recipe. They've also got roasted chicken drumsticks and cauliflower oars with orzo, feta cheese and olives and spicy penne pasta with zucchini and capers. Here's the deal. We love it. It changed the way we eat. Legit. We are very happy with the product. But once again, if we would we would be full-blown members of this if they weren't a sponsor. Yeah, They're that totally. fucking great. Yeah, we would. I'm grateful they're a sponsor, and I will never do anything to fuck up that sponsorship because they're that important to us. We love them. Right now, here's what my fans can get. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast to get your first three meals for free. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. It was a weird intro to the podcast. I apologize. Leanne and I got... I, I'm I'm firing hot. I, I think something's wrong. I think I'm I am detoxing a tad bit. 
I sweat a lot last night. Yeah, you did. And I had really crazy dreams. And I woke up and I, I'm, I'm living out of integrity. I think I'm living too hard. I'm, I'm pushing it too hard. Joey called me last night and he was, he was like, you didn't learn anything from fucking Ralphie cocksucker. I'm just, I he just. He did? Yeah. Why did he say that? Because I'm on the road this week and next week. And then the week after that. Oh, I mean, because you're on the road. So yeah. Much. And he's like, you got to take a week off. You got to take time you off. You do need to take time off and you do need to take better care of your health. I'm, oh, I'm training for the triathlon. I'm super excited about that. I, today I did the the bike and the run. It was, but it was so fucking hard. Yeah. And all I thought is, when it's hard, you know that next time it gets better. That's true. Um. And you ate very healthy today. I was trying to protect you about that Chris Hardwick shit. Protect me? Yeah, because I don't want like you should read both his statement and her well, statement. Was something I was saying needs protecting. Yeah, because in this fucking climate. People go after people. That's what they do. Who am I? Nobody's going to go after me. I'm a big fat nobody. But, you know, the thing is, it has gotten really out of hand, in my opinion. Because, because, you know, I was saying this to you this morning. I don't remember if we were talking about this, if we were talking about something else. But I feel like the way you should live your life is exactly what it says in the Bible. And I'm not religious. Oh, you already, you already just fucking triggered a bunch of people. I did? Why? Just by saying Bible. Oh, come on. The Bible's a, there's a lot of great things in the Bible, even if, I'm not religious at all. I don't even know the last time I went to church, but I've yeah. read the Bible cover to cover because I wanted to know what I was not believing in. Like, I do not believe that Noah got an ark and floated around for 40 days with two of every animal. I'm sorry, I don't yeah. believe that. But I do believe in things like do unto others as you would have them do unto you because that just means if you are if you are conscious and aware of how you're treating your neighbor and if they're conscious and aware of how they are treating you then inherently everyone's treating each other well with kindness and forgiveness and openness that's not happening and it's not happening no. and i feel like there's a lot of golden rules like that that people have just forgotten and they're but like but i'm offended but what about me instead of going hey what about you how can i help you the climate is you don't like what someone says you hurt them as best you can that's the climate. You hurt them as that, best that's, you no, can. that's what the climate I is. I think I think you teach them. No, 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 no. That's no. no, no. no I'm well, sorry. Wait. I'm no. I'm, I'm just telling you. That's what it is. That's not what it should be. That's what it is. Nick DiPaolo says a joke someone doesn't like. Her father draws him in and says, "Hey, I thought you were great. My daughter's going to punch you in the face, or wants to punch you in the face." And this girl punches him in the face and gives him a black eye. Why? That's the climate. But isn't she that called assault? That's assault, and she's going to go to jail, and she's going to sue her. But that's the climate. Is I want to hurt you as bad as I can hurt you. I've been in bad relationships too, me personally. Well, we all have. Yeah, but well, yeah, I, I, I think I've been in really bad relationships where I go, yeah, that was that was definitely abuse. Like that was definitely abuse. I, I allowed it. Um, I didn't stand up for myself. It, it's crept up on me. I didn't know how it happened. I don't know how we got there, but all of a sudden it was abuse and I was guilty of it too. We were both guilty of it. We were just being shits to each other. I remember Mike Dacre one time was in a really shitty relationship with this girl and I said, uh, how's everything going? And he goes, well, if it's any consolation, I'm walking around our fraternity house with a machete at five in the morning. Not good. And I went, really? Why would he do have a machete? Because he was drunk. I think he'd taken acid. And he was like walking around with a machete. And he was, and I saw him. He had and, bigger and, problems in that relationship, I'm afraid. No, he was an eccentric guy. Just hear my story and just try to hear me out. And, and I was up at six in the morning walking around, I probably in a Speedo or something. And I was drunk. And he's like, I'm assuming that you're going through the same shit I'm going through. I was like, I am. 
He was like, Did you th- is this how it's supposed to be? Like, these, is this what relationships are like? And when you're young, you get in a really shitty relationship. Yeah, it's how you learn. This girl was young. And she got into a shitty relationship. He was older, but I think he just was, I think he was, I think he's broken from fucking Hollywood. I don't know. But well, my, the it, reason I cut you off, the reason we started this over, and the reason that this podcast started awkward, now we're talking about it now, is that I don't, I, I know you, you think you're nobody. I know you think that, but words have such an effect on people and people listen to you because you have a platform right now and you are talking to people that you just it's not healthy what's going on in this society no it's not it's not healthy at all if people would just go back to treat other people the way you want to be treated it would solve so many problems now if you made a mistake you made a mistake and you said hey i made a mistake here's what the mistake is about would you want to be attacked for for admitting that he, mistake? He, i don't i think maybe that's problematic but he didn't acknowledge that he made a mistake he didn't say like he, he was like yeah we we're both shitty to each other we weren't a good fit she cheated on me i was out it's basically what he said it's you I, once again then this is where we stopped the last time is that i believe that if you are going to talk about this because i don't think a lot of people read everything she wrote they just like Fuck Chris Harwick because I don't like him, you know. And I understand that, you know. Okay. I think they're like, I, I mean, I can understand you not liking a celebrity, um. But I, I feel like maybe you should maybe maybe you should read uh, both of their statements, and we'll talk about it on open tabs at the beginning of open tabs if you want. Well, I don't care. You're the one that brought it up. Okay. I was just commenting on what you had to say. I'm happy to read them and then talk to you about it, but. I didn't. I didn't bring the subject up. I brought it up again because it was, was awkward talk- at the beginning, and so everyone's like, "What were you guys fighting about?" It was anyway. We're not fighting. I'm being shitty. I'm being shitty. No, you're not being shitty. I'm just a bit confused. I'm being shitty. You're not being shitty. I think I worked out too hard. I had way too many vegetables, and I'm eating too healthy, <laughs> I'm con- and my body's fucking falling apart. I'm confused as to what you want from me. I, I don't know what you want from me. You're you giving me mixed signals. No, I'm not. I'm, I don't mean to. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. I'm out of it. I'm, I'm out of confused. it. I'm confused. Yeah. So this is the beginning of the podcast, everybody. We have a, This is a great podcast, by the way. I was very lucky to get him. Uh, we ran into each other a bunch at, at different places, the store and then at Big Five. And, you know, I'll be very candid right now. At Dave, Big Five? Big Five, yeah. <laughs> he came up to me. He was like, Chrysler. What were you doing? At, oh, well, I guess you were shopping for sporting goods. Yeah, I was, no, no. I was shopping for weights, and he was shopping for weights. Those weights that I have right there. Uh-huh. He, he works with, uh, I think, Jermaine, Jermaine Carmichael, I think. I, I don't know who he works with. Gerard Carmichael? Jermaine, Jermaine Fowler. He works with Jermaine Fowler. By the way, I think that was racist what I just did. I don't know. I don't know who he is. They're both black guys, are. and I just switched okay. their names back and forth. Like if someone went, Bert Scora, Tom... Chrysler, they're look alike. Oh, but then everyone was like, whatever. I'm fucking so tired of this fucking world. I think you're really, really firing hot. I'm firing hot. Yeah. I like both those guys. They're both very talented. I just fuck their names up. That's Maybe all. you need I'm some yogurt. Person. I think you need some yogurt. I don't want any yogurt. I think yogurt would I don't want, really. I want to fucking drink. So, um, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that out loud. No, you need yogurt. Fuck. Like, like 2% Greek yogurt, plain with a little bit of cinnamon. We ran into each other at Big Five, <laughs> and he was buying Jermaine Fowler, uh, I think it's Jermaine Fowler, buying him weights, and he's just a really great guy. Now, in my book, and I think in everyone's book, it, something like that would throw you off because he's such a movie star. He's been in so many movies. I think he's been in like 90 productions. 
No way. Like all in all, yeah. He's he's like no joke a working actor. He's in a sitcom that I think he says gets killed. He's in a sitcom right now. And then he's got enough. He's in a sitcom right now. Fuck! He's working. You are just I am fucking, fucking things game. up. Anyway. He's a working actor. He's everybody, fucking amazing. Everybody knows who he is. I don't even know why you keep talking about it. Because he's a great guy and I just want to I don't know in. who Chris Hardwick is. I wouldn't know the guy if I saw him, but I know who David Kegner is. He's a fantastic dad. And we talk about friendships and what it's like making friends and having friends in this business. We talk about Saturday Night Live. He was on Saturday Night Live. He was in. He was at uh, the Groundlings. No, no, no. Uh, Chicago's Second, Second City? City with Chris Farley, Mike. Mo- like he was with everybody. Yeah. We talk about all that. That caught me off guard. And uh, it's a great podcast. You're gonna absolutely love it. Sorry for this long-winded intro that fucking meandered. Ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast: David Keckner. This is I always thought that was like gluttonous. I remember my buddy Chris Gillen did it. Are you are you on? Yeah. Um, we were rolling. My buddy Chris Gillen came in and had an electronics guy put in TVs, and I remember being like, "That like you don't hook up your own TV like just." And then now we have a TV guy, and it's the you best too. Oh, it's the greatest. He like he was like, "How big do you want me to go?" I was like, "You're the expert." And so he put that ridiculous. <laughs> but then he takes care of all of your speakers and everything. Everything. Yeah. And then you get one remote and one remote takes care of everything. Wow. Yeah, I love I love him. Put a TV outside so we can I'll hang and watch TV yeah, in the pool. I have, to, I, have to, I have to get your guy because I've had three different companies and they all have messed it up. Oh, my guy's great. Sunday. It's amazing. My guy was through DIY Networks. Okay. So he was awesome. Yeah. You live right around here, don't you? We're a mile and uh, a quarter away from each other. So my wife got in bed with me this morning and she goes, what are you guys going to talk about on your podcast? <laughs> I go, why? She goes, well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like I can help. I go, really? She goes, I'm a really great interviewer. She's her own podcast now. So I said, okay, what's the first question? And she goes, I'm so glad you asked. Ask him if he's a part of the... Uh, what's it? The Mississippi Mafia. Mafia. Mississippi Mafia. Do you know there, there was a group of guys from Mississippi that used to hang out in Hollywood? Now, does she mean Missouri? I don't know. Is it Missouri? I'm from Missouri. Yeah, yeah. But didn't I you love grow, that she thinks you, I'm a Southerner instead. Uh, I'd kind of heard of the Missouri Mafia, but I don't know who the Mississippi Mafia is. Oh, she was. That was like. I guess there were a group of guys. One guy's name was Tate Taylor. He directed The Help. I think okay, but they would organize these big, uh, these big events. Wow, I kind of wish I was part yeah, of that. Well, I'm glad she's not doing the fucking interview, right? <laughs> All it means is I would have gotten more work. <laughs> what was? Uh, is it over? No, I I don't know. I think they're. Um, you and I should get part of it. I know, dude. I tried to st- when I started my first corporation. When I got my first paycheck. I got. I started a corporation. And my, and my dad's a lawyer, so I sent all the work to him and I was yeah. like can you file this for me he's like yeah and he was like uh, these names are fucking ridiculous for your company because you gave him a list yeah yeah and one, right. first one was giving out spankings nice next one was the Tampa Entertainment Mafia alright he just calls back and he goes why don't you just call it Don't Be an Asshole Inc and he ch- and that's what he titled it Don't that's Be an Asshole awesome. Inc yeah and so that was my first company that's awesome I changed mine to uh, my, mine's nice one productions and I wish I would have gone with my first instincts was uh, great big balls productions great big balls <laughs> but uh, we give spankings is perfect well, that was the name of my band in college giving out spankings nice 
Um, you went to school at, where did you go to school? I at, went to school two places. I went to Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas for two years because I had to. My parents are very, very Catholic. Really? And yes. So the only way I could go to college, your first two years had to be spent at Benedictine, which is a Catholic institution. Yeah. And then you could go wherever you wanted. So I went there for two years and then I went to the University of Missouri for a year and change. Did, um, did, did you have Catholic guilt growing up? Oh, it's guilt and shame. I have it really bad. Like I still have it. You can get past it though. I don't know how to get, like I had a, I used to have a problem. Like when I lost my virginity, I was a fucking mess. Sure. Sure. I could not rebound. Like, and it, and I literally was like, all right, I'm gonna have to, I, I can't deal with this fucking guilt. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to not have sex with someone unless, until I know I'm in love. Right. And then even then I waited another, I dated a girl and didn't have sex with her my senior year. Wow. And, and yeah, because I was like, I'm, I'm, I want to, but the repercussions. Are you talking about hell? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Cause I was like, I was legit. I was legit Catholic growing up. Yeah. I get you. I get you. I uh, I was there and I wanted it, but then toward you know senior year, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is kind of tiring. Actually, in sixth grade, I started questioning it because um, that's when you start learning about ancient Greek or ancient history, and the Greeks and the Romans had these gods that they all believed in. Yeah, I'm like, well, wait a minute, they really thought those things existed. Yeah. So what makes that different than what this current construct is? Yeah. So, I mean, look, hey, if, if, if you dig religion and it really helps your life, great. But what I have seen in terms of religion, the first way they're organized is to marginalize and control women. And then it's to gain more power and capital. And after you get power and capital, then they try to gain uh, property. And uh, that results in constant war which we still are in. Yeah. And I would say, I forget how many conflicts there are throughout the world. I think there are 32 active conflicts in the world. And I would uh, hazard a guess that at least 30 of those are based in religion. Now, they might use religion as an excuse for other people to, you know, uh, increase their power base, but that causes war. Yeah. They're not about the deity. And I'm not talking about any person that's related to the religion. For instance, the Christ, right? Yeah. Real person came with one message. Let's spread love. I don't think that guy ever thought, man, I'm going to leave you guys a plan to make some sweet coin. Right? Uh -huh. That's not his design. In fact, he came in and saw people changing money in the temple. What's he do? Puts his foot on it. Yeah. So anyway, I don't have opinions is what you're going to find out. <laughs> well, I'm fascinated by, uh, I'm always fascinated by people that aren't designed for Hollywood. Okay. Like, and I, I feel yeah. like, I, I feel like I'm definitely one of those people. Right. Like I, I, I almost, anytime I run into someone from Tampa uh -huh. or from Florida that got into the entertainment, not Miami, but like, you know, like oh, I grew up in Orlando. You're like, Oh, how, how did you get out? Right. And I was, and like, I feel like I know your story because I remember running into you in Aspen in like a long time ago. I've been a, I've been a fan of yours for since T Bone. Oh wow! So like, and I and just co first coming out to LA, probably in like two thousand one, two thousand two, going around clubs and seeing you and being like, oh, this is fucking awesome. But then I was like, wait, how did he get? How did like? How did you get from from Tipton? Yeah, from, yeah, to there. Well, I was a poli sci major, so I'm in Tipton, Missouri. It's a town of two thousand people in central Missouri, and um, 
I here here I can tell you a couple things. When I was ten, I distinctly remember walking around the west side of my house by myself, thinking I got to get out of here. Not because I was. Uh, rejecting it it was just like i knew that i had to have something else yeah i needed a, a greater exchange of curiosity and ideas at 10 yeah i just knew like hey i got a lot of questions about the world and i, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts and ideas and i'm not quite getting it right here wait are you the youngest i'm the third of six. Third of six yeah holy shit yeah, yeah, yeah. the catholic yes very catholic <laughs> well i mean we were my grade school we went to church every morning really yes you know what i've been doing on stage um just as a lark sometimes the first time i first time i went to church at school in ninth grade they sang the our father which i had never heard but i enjoyed which it. which one which which our version our father who art in heaven okay. i because um, you know the other version what's the, that? i would say the hippie version from the 60s or 70s our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name no, thy kingdom come <laughs> Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You don't know that version? No. So you know the older one. I knew okay. the older one, and I have been singing it on stage. Of course. And getting everyone to join in. I, At the very top. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, uh, but but I, I, why, did, why did I just fucking switch uh, subjects? Because... I was Catholic, had to go to school every day. Oh, church. You say yes. church every day. Church yeah. every day. And so, you know, you get burned out after a while. It's yeah. like kids that are forced to do, you know, three uh, sports early. And you see it all the time. Yeah. Parents running their kids from, well, we got we got baseball at one. I know we've got soccer at, at, at three. And we're probably going to make the basketball game at six. You're like, what are you doing? Because oh. these kids, were gonna, they're going to quit in high school. If you think you're grooming your prodigy to get that scholarship, if he gets that scholarship, he's going to quit. Yeah. Because he's finally going to be like, ah, they're not here anymore. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, very Catholic. Had to go all the time. Uh, then I was... Uh, uh, there in, in, in Tipton, at 10, I walked around, thought I had to do something. At 13, I had this... I know it's going to sound corny, but it's true. I kind of had this um, moment of awakening, uh, standing by the tree at the end of our property during a sunset, and I thought, I have to go do something. Didn't know what it was, but I felt like I, I was getting a vocational calling. All right? Really? Yes. Did you have a? Did you grow up like in a neighborhood or out in like a, a pro well, like? We grew up in town. Okay. But I mean, you say neighborhood, you're thinking there's no suburbs in Tipton. There aren't curbs. <laughs> there's no curb okay. in the town. So yeah. there's sidewalks. Anyway, I had that feeling like I need to go. I have a destiny. All right. So I wasn't sure what it was. I, I kind of wanted to be an actor, but this is pre-internet. You had no idea how a person might become an actor. Who am I going to ask? Plus, you talk about shame. I'm in Tipton. What if I started telling people I'm going to be an actor? What would have been the reaction? Well, mm -hmm. oh, you can't do that. Don't you get big on yourself? You know, that kind of yeah. thing. It would have been, it would not have been accepted as, I love that you have dreams. It would have been pummeled out of you. Like, don't think that way. You're not better than everybody else. You know, that kind of idea. It's amazing how much the world has changed. Just in what you said, like where you go, how do you become that? Like when I wanted to be a com comedian, I was like, I guess I'll just move my entire body to New York. Like I, I don't have any other idea of how to do that. Yeah. Other than I know there are comedy clubs in New York, so I'll just move to New York. That's smart. But like, yeah, but, but even still I was like, 
I was like, and then how does, and then what do you do from there? Right. Like there was, now that you have the internet, you can literally go, or you can listen to a podcast and go, oh, work the door at the Boston Comedy Club. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, I was a poli sci major instead because I focused my energies on what I thought was I, my mission to help people. Now, little did I know that that really wasn't what politics is all about. Yeah. Uh, so I went, went into poli sci and about the third year I started realizing, oh, I'm never going to be senator. Because I started thinking, okay, so the way into politics is you're from a political family, or you're well-moneyed, or you are the smartest person in any room you walk into. That'll get you wherever you want to go. Yeah. But I was none of those things, and I was like, ah, I kind of lost my heart for it, because you're either going to become uh, a lawyer or a teacher. And I thought, ah, oh, God, neither one of those things interests me. Yeah. So I quit going to my classes. And I went home after I was academically ineligible. I told my dad, and I thought, boy, he's just going to ream me out. But he said, well, Dave, I don't know what you want to do, but I don't think you want to go to school. Now, you don't know Cecil Keckner. He's passed. That's the best Cecil anyone has ever done. So I bought the car I was driving from him and uh, for $400. Gave me a, a deal on a, a, let's see, what what year was that? Was that a... Let's see. I'll bet that was a 75 uh, Plymouth Grand Fury that I was driving. And so I bought that and uh, worked three jobs. And then a buddy and I went up to Chicago because I'd read about the second city at this point. I'd read about SNL. And Did how you read I, Wired? Yes, of course. I read Wired. Right. That's, yeah. Right? Yeah. I read Wired and backstage at Saturday Night Live. Uh -huh. And I saw, oh, all these people went to second city. So a buddy and I went and visited a friend up in Chicago, then went to the, sh the show at Second City, and I was blown away. And then on the way down the steps, I saw they teach classes. Oh, and I had a matchbook and a golf pencil because you'd fill out, you know, a mailing list thing. And I was surreptitiously writing down the phone number for classes because I still was carrying around shame like someone was going to tap me on the shoulder going, why are you writing that number down? Yeah. Who do you think you are? So then I went back and I saved a lot of money. Not a lot of money. Went, back to, money. went back to Missouri. Went back to Missouri. And then uh, I was working three jobs. And then I went up for a two-week concentrated course at the Players Workshop. And I'm like, this is it. So then I went back again, uh, saved up more money, and moved to Chicago the next year. Really? But then I wasn't that. I moved there when I was 24. I started when I was 26. Yeah. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that happened. Had I moved there at 18, I would have missed what I eventually became part of, which was an amazing confluence of, of talent that came through in the, the years that I was there. So when I was there, it was Chris Farley, Mike Myers, Tim Meadows, Steve Colbert, Steve Carell, uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Matt Besser, Matt Walsh, Ian Roberts, Horatio Sands, um, I'm missing someone else. But all the UCB people that started UCB, all the same era. Holy shit. There's like 10 or 12 guys that you know that write on Conan and Seth and Colbert that and uh, Fallon. A bunch of those writers were all there at that time. You know, John Glazer, by chance, has had a bunch of great shows. Yeah. Anyway, amazing group of people that I, I would have missed had I started earlier at 18. So but, you walked in and they're all, well, in, all taking classes? Or, yeah, yeah. So at various points, like some people had been on Sage and some people were just in classes. Farley and I were in the same classes together. Wait, that, I can't believe I didn't know that I'm hearing this for the first time. I was a huge Farley fan. How can you not be? He was pure comedy. Really? So what, 
what was he like like did when you met him what was he like he's uh more humble than you can imagine really yeah I, you know, he would always be so uh, deferential. If you're talking to him, he'll look up at you like, yeah. You know that thing he would do, uh, the Chris Farley show? Yeah. That's what Chris is like. <laughs> yeah. he, there's a nervous energy and a pleasing energy and really humble and always looking at you like, uh, hey, remember when we did that scene together? That was fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm an idiot. That's, that's who he really was. But, you know, as far as commitment and just uh, a pure force of comedy, nobody was better than Farley. It was yeah. just, you you know, when you're when you're coming up, you start comparing, not, not, not in a bad way, but am I keeping up with the peers that I really want to be peers with? Yeah. People that are really good. Am I, do I feel like I'm among their ability? And uh, so, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm doing it at the same level. Farley, I took out of that mean a long time ago because they're like, okay, that's an outlier. He's way beyond uh, the talent scope of what I'm capable of and most of these people are capable of. It's a different realm. Wow. So what was that? Did, did anyone have any idea of what was happening at that moment? I don't think so. You couldn't really go, oh my God, all these people are going to make it. Because I would go to Second City and see a lot of talented people, and then they'd go out to Hollywood, and you'd never hear of them again. For real? Yes. So there were people that, that there were people also in your classes that didn't succeed? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it seems like such an, a large group of successful people. Right. I remember when I started, I was with Dimitri Martin, who's a stand-up comedian. Sure, sure, sure. Very funny. And I remember one night we were walking to the cellar, and he was saying something about Dave Attell writing on, on uh, Ray and that they knew each other before. And, and we had this epiphany. So if you just don't quit... Your friends will get famous and they'll help you out. And we were like, I can do that. Like, I can just not quit. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's an overwhelming class of talent. Yes, it was crazy. McKay, I don't know if you know. Like, I, I know so many names. I know Adam McKay only only, only through name. But uh, but he's one of those people that uh, that always kind of fascinated me because he seemed like, he seemed like the gasoline for the fire. Yes. Yes, well, and beyond. I always say McKay's mind is so immense and white hot that it has its own gravitational pull. I mean, literally, if you're in the room, like you talk about a guy that's always the smartest guy in any room he walks into, that's McKay. Really? He's just incredibly bright. And you're like, how did you get all of this information? He could allocate on anything. He knows facts about everything. You're like, oh, fuck, I I'm not that person. That's fine. I'll, I'll make goofy faces. I can do that. <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> holy shit that's yeah. that really is so at what point did you go did i mean like part of me is like overwhelmed because i think i can't imagine being friends with all those people right like I, like do you still how close are your friendships with everyone well as you know you t I, I assume that you tend to as you become an adult, you're friends with the people that uh, you go to school with, yeah. your kids go to school with. Yeah. I happen to, there's a large uh, group of Chicago guys that are my closest friends out here that are, are not necessarily household names. They're yeah. very talented, but, you know, in varying degrees of, of, of success. Yeah. Yeah. So that, like, that aren't the big guys. So like, all right, let's take, let's take the names we know. Will and Steve live out here. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Now, uh, they're very busy. Our kids don't go to the same school. And 
that's just the way it goes. Will yeah. lives over in Hollywood or up in the hills. He's gone six months out of the year. Shooting movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll see Will and Steve once, twice a year, something like that. Uh, but, you know, everyone has this idea, not not you, but, you know, a lot of people out there have this idea that we're all just constantly hanging out together. Yeah. And that's, that's not the case. Or that we all have secret underground tunnels like, hey, you, know, you guys want to meet in the tunnel in the main room? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> sadly, the, the, I think that anyone that like any comedy fans of, of mine or, you know, think, uh, oh, uh, Bert and Segura and Ari and Joe are hanging out all the time. And sadly enough, we are. We're at the store every fucking night well, with each yeah. other. And so part of you is like, yeah, so I, but, but I, I think that's so... I think that's so overwhelming. Like I, I like I I knew you had gone I knew you had worked with Del Close. Mm-hmm. Um and I knew that was like he was like he was the guy that created improv, right? Well, he's the one that developed long <clears throat> pardon me, long form improv as we know it today. Uh which is just which is beyond game improv and uh little tricks. Yeah. And then he expanded the idea and the notion and that allowed it to then take on what it is now, a whole universe of different forms and formats and uh expression. But his whole thing was truth and comedy. Be honest on stage, it'll never oh, fail you. I love truth and I love the I love truth and comedy when you say something like I, there was a young kid last night on stage who his joke wasn't that good but he his improv at the end was give me my coat and you and i said by told him that line makes me know that it really happened uh-huh. like i love when you give a line in the thing where you go oh that had that had to have really happened right um yeah i love truth and comedy look at on it remember uh member that's there's missouri coming out not remember member <laughs> member <laughs> uh, uh richard pryor's first special live and smoking yeah and he's just up there telling the truth and you get chills and the audience is quiet, but he doesn't quit. Yeah. And he just stands there and delivers. He talks about giving head to people. <laughs> he talks about his mother's a prostitute and being yeah. beaten. Uh, it just, it's fascinating. He said he had a joke one day, one day, one time that I stays with me all the time. And I think about nonstop is when I was a kid, you had to have two things, get a ringworm, be able to fuck a dog. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, what? Wow. I was like, wait, what? I love, yeah, Richard Pryor was is yeah. fucking insane. Um, so, so then, do you, how soon does, do you start seeing your classmates go out to SNL? Uh, let's see. Mike Myers was the first of our group. Um, and like that, Mike was, you know, he came from Canada, so he wasn't necessarily hanging out with the rest of us. He was very focused. Really? So, yeah, yeah. He didn't he didn't hang out and drink. Really? Oh, yeah. He, he made a smarter decision. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could have moved up my, my, I could have moved up my success timeline probably by four years if that bottle wasn't in the room. Yeah. <laughs> I think what, I wonder what ha- would have happened to my career yes. if I had never drank. Oh, absolutely. I look at like Dane and Daniel Tosh and Chris D'Elia and they've never touched alcohol. But part of me goes, I don't know what I would be talking about on stage. Yeah. 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 Hey man, it's the life we chose. Yeah. It's, you know, or, it's like, or it chose us. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but, uh, he, Mike took off and then were you, where were you in the, in the, you were before. So Mike goes, Myers is the first one. Like I, I have personally been on stage with that person that that's the first person 
I had come into contact with or I felt a tiny bit of ownership. Because yeah. like, yeah, it's one of my guys. Although, you know, it wasn't. But then Farley was one of our guys. That was for sure. That must have been insane to yes. witness. Yes, it was my buddy Pat Finn's wedding down in um, Springfield, Illinois. And it was Chris's debut. Uh, it was September and uh, like 27th, 28th. And Chris was going to be on that night. And so a bunch of us left the reception and went up and watched Saturday Night Live just to see what Chris was going to do. Oh. And he only had one tiny thing. He played like a midget who was mute. <laughs> and that was, you know, and that was it. And we're like, all right, well, Chris was on. So yeah. that was that. Then we all went back to the wedding. That was, uh, I'm sure, an energy suck. Like, <laughs> so the 20 loudest people in the room just left. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, that was that. And then who went next? I think um, Tim Meadows. And then Bob Odenkirk. And then who else went? Let's see. Can't quite remember. Oh, then Colbert, Sedaris, and Danello and Mitch Rouse all went out to New York to do Strange Little Candy. And then, then it might have been me of that group that went next. And then Carell popped on Bruce Almighty. And then what else? Then then Tina and Amy. And then all the UCB people, uh, Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, Ian Roberts, uh, and Amy Poehler all moved out to New York and created the first UCB theater. Yeah. And they did their show on uh, Comedy Central. And then, oh, Brian, let's see. No, Andy Richter was, then became sidekick on Conan. And Brian McCann came out to write for it, as did John Glazer and Tommy Blocka. And then uh, uh, Brian Stack came out to write with it about the same time I got SNL. And then like that, after that was Tina and Amy. And then McKay came out with me and Tom Giannis to, to work on Saturday Night Live. And then Horatio Sands got it. And then Rachel Dratch got it. So that's how that all went. You know, it's wow. just kind of one after another. People started getting jobs in, in show business. What did you, what did, what, were your, what was your experience with like with SNL? Oh, I had a great first, I had one year only, but I had yeah. a great year. I was very naive. How old were you? I was 30. Yeah. So I was old enough to know better, but not, not savvy enough. Like we were talking about your original thing was like, not a Hollywood guy. I didn't get how the game was played. Oh. Right. So I got out there and expected, A, well, everyone's going to write for you. Yeah. That's not the way it works. You got to, you got to build alliances and have people write for you. And then you've got like, you know, the job of the writer is like, I got to get on the air. They don't care who gets them on the air. It's like, someone's got to get me on the air. Yeah. And so I would be probably less welcoming to ideas that I thought were not well enough inspired, which is not a smart idea. Yeah. I would talk openly about my, my politics. Uh, and, and some of those writers I found out were very conservative. So they were like, Nope, not you. And then you'd see there were camps and like, okay, so people wouldn't write for the other camp. Really? I'm, yeah. I'm still a nice guy. And all I'm thinking is we're an ensemble. We should spread this around. And I, I couldn't understand how, why the, uh, the powers that be didn't ensure that every one of their wrestlers got over. Yeah. In wrestling they look for everyone to get over yeah. nope they just throw you and go who's gonna who's gonna make it out climb climb out 
climb out of the pit. It is, it is, it is uh, literally Lord of the Flies. Really? Now, I didn't recognize it. I thought, well, talent will just prevail at the end of the day. And I had a great season. I had like four or five recurring characters, and I did political impressions. Didn't cross my mind that they wouldn't renew my contract. But I'd pissed off a writer. I'd called one writer a hack, and he had some power on the show. I'm not going to tell you his name. Uh, he knows who he is. And then another writer told on me, told that writer I said that, like childishness, like, hey, man, why don't you just come to me and go, hey, dude, that's my fucking friend. Now, yeah. you go, whatever, and I you know, so could have had some real conversation, go, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have said that, blah, blah, blah. But I think that person made it his, uh, uh, his, you know, uh, whatever. It was his, like, why, why am I losing this word I want? That's the alcohol that <laughs> we drank too much of. Um, to get me off the show. Really? Uh, yeah, I think so. But it was West Coast that uh, had power because there's the first year, a whole new cast except for Norm MacDonald, David Spade, and, and Timmy Meadows. And um, West Coast had more power because it was the first year of Mad TV and Howard had a late night show. Stern. And so yeah. that was the first time there was competition late night. Oh, really? And so the ratings dropped a little bit, which allowed um, NBC to come in and go, here's the changes we want made. And so Lauren couldn't protect all his pawns. He wanted to keep me, yeah. but they wanted to get rid of me, Mark McKinney, and Nancy Walls Correll. And uh, I know Laura wanted to keep me, but I figured he could only protect one pawn. And it was McKinney who just had a job and he had a relationship with him for a long time from ki uh, Kids in the Hall. Yeah. So, and like that, I'd been a little, little reluctant. They came to me three times and said, how about a Gerald talk show? And I would say, that's what's wrong with this show. There's too many of these talk shows. Let's do sketches. Yeah. That's yeah. what this show's about, sketches. <laughs> now, they asked. They weren't asking. <laughs> they weren't asking. I love it. <laughs> but I, I missed it. I was like, oh, no, that's a bad idea. I was like, no, they're not asking you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> the question is really what they're telling you to do. And I just couldn't wrap my head around what Gerald would do at a talk show. It would have worked. I went into a travel channel meeting and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, not what I'm doing now. Right. And that was the end of my show. Yeah. But you're being honest. I was like, yeah. I told my therapist, I was like, I don't know what to say because I don't want to ride roller coasters anymore. Oh. And he was like, well, tell them that. And I was like, I don't know if that's what you're supposed to say. Well, I didn't realize the answer should be whatever you'd like me to yes. do. Whatever you guys want. Yeah. Still but going. Let's do it. I'm glad it happened the way it did. But yeah. that's a, I've gone into a lot of meetings where I said, I, even at my agency, like where I go in and I sit down and I go, I, I'll tell you what I don't want to do. Yeah. As opposed to going, here's whatever you want. Right. I'll, I'll, I just want to work. Yeah. I just want to work. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, that was that. But then I, I moved out to LA. I was very fortunate that I'd made I'd made enough of an impact that I got a holding deal right away. Really? Lauren said, Dave, you're on the radar. You're an artist. Don't change that. <laughs> so I, the, also the message was, the message was, we don't need art on this show. Yeah. So don't quit, quit, quit trying to bring it. But... Uh, I got that from Dell, right? You know, you're an artist. Be that. Comedy's important. You're one of the few people, there's a handful of people I'd say that I have been at a party and I've watched. Like Mitch Hedberg's definitely one of them. Oh, wow. Mitch Hedberg, I was at a party Mitch Hedberg was at and I just kept, like, I, 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 I it's just almost like, like fascinating, like every, the way he's carrying himself. And when we were in Aspen, uh, I wish I remembered the year but I remember there was like a, there was like a, I think it was probably a Comedy Central party. I think I was with Daniel Tosh 
and you walked in and you just had there was only a couple people and then not to blow smoke up your ass only a couple people where i saw that really the energy of the room became the energy they had you just you know you're a big guy you and will smith will smith when he walks in a room yeah everyone's like what the fuck and you walked in and i was like whoa and i and i hadn't even seen you perform yet and I was like, wait, who's that? And they're like, oh, you don't know who that is? Oh, have you seen? And I was like, and then I think the next night I saw you guys Oh, the, uh, the trucker, right? Yeah. yeah we, had, we, had a, we had a good uh, good run there. It was great. Yeah, we were the late night show and everyone came. That was, it was, that was yeah. really great. Those were good shows. Yeah. yeah. And so what you moved to, did you move from New York back out to LA? Yep, right away. I mean, like, you know, I got to go now. I could have, you know, put my tail between the legs and gone back to Chicago, but I couldn't go to Chicago. Oh, like, no. Well, yeah. That, yeah. So LA was the place to go. I'd already had, you know, my job. I always thought to myself, I'll leave Chicago when work takes me. Because I'd seen people go without work. And it's like, that's it. That's the last you hear of them. Yeah. Some of them. Like, I heard people, I remember people in New York saying, uh, don't go, don't move to LA. Like they were like, don't, when I first got my first deal. I came out to LA. I stayed in Century City. Century City, by the way. And I was like, this is the best place in the world. I was in Century City right. at where uh, where they shot Die Hard at okay. the Takamimi building or whatever. And I was like, this is good. The weather was amazing. And I called my dad. I was like, I'm moving here. I was in Century Now in recollection, I'm like, I don't even like that part of town. Right. But I was like, I'm moving here. And and I remember comics. And now these comics have, n- have gone on to do nothing of note. Right. You know? Right. Being like, dude, whatever you do, don't move to L.A. Do not do it. You'll go out there and you'll just die out there. Stay in New York. Be a New York comic. And moving out to L.A. was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. That's where show business is. Yeah. I People... I'm sure you meet them too. Where do you live? LA. And they go, Oh, I Now, Why do you think that is? I have a theory. I don't know. What's your theory? I, they're afraid of it. Oh yeah. Oh, that's where successful people are. Because when you think of what it takes to go to LA and make it, you have to have a steel trap, uh, a decision that is unrelenting. Like I'm here. It's going to happen. I don't care. Yeah. I am a three-sided pyramid and I am impenetrable and I will make it. I will succeed. It's I, in my mind, it's it's a mindset and it's not a bad one. And ambition is not a dirty word. If you look it up, it's not a dirty word. And you can be ambitious and never hurt another person. Yeah. They all assume everyone's out here stepping all over everybody else. I've never done that. It's happened, but I don't care. Yeah, you know, I you've never stepped on anyone. No. It's like, hey, here's the thing. I know there's only one person in front of me that's that's keeping me from larger success, and that is me. Yeah, you know, you look at other actors or comics or whatever. Like, oh, I should have had that job. I was up for that, but he got it. So what? Yeah. The thing I know is every day in Hollywood, there's a new commercial, there's a new TV show, there's a new movie being cast every single day. So the finish, the starting line begins in the morning when you get up. I was in a I was in a room with uh, some executives where they were talking openly about needing a female comedian, and. They, I, 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 I mean, I, I'd thrown out a couple options, but they were really talking amongst themselves. Yes, you were. and part of me was like, was like, I could name a bunch of people, but I thought to myself, so as just there's someone sitting on their couch right now thinking maybe it'll never happen for me, and then these people are going, I need someone to make it happen for, and I was like, wow, if they could just connect the two. Dane Cook said it the best one time. I came, I went over to his house. 
one, two days we were playing the guitar together. Two days. We went over like Tuesday and he was down in the dumps. He was like, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm going to do in this business. Like that. And the next day I came over and he was, I got a movie in China. He's like, that's what I love about this business. Wow. It's like a lottery ticket. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, uh, I, think Amer- I think a lot of America looks at LA and I think they take the people like Amy Schumer, who lives in New York, by the way, but like they take the the celebrities who have opinions, uh, you know, right? And they they go, oh, that's what I, I think. They don't have a fair representation of how there's also just really creative people wanting to do stuff. Yes, plenty of those. Yeah, plenty of those. I mean, the 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 battle is don't get bitter. Yeah, yeah, that's the real battle. But I think when people have this negative opinion of L.A., they've never been here, never worked here. I mean, I would say oh, well, some of our greatest friendships are all showbiz people. Yeah, that's who we hang out with. Yeah, those are our peers. They're all wonderful people. Sure, every once in a while you 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 run across a wounded soul that can't help themselves, <laughs> and the way they they operate in life is misery. Yeah. and a lot of them, some of them are successful, and they spread misery. They live misery, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I feel bad for you. That's a choice and that's one you've made and i don't have to hang out with you yeah but but oh, but on the flip side living out here is absolutely beautiful it's the it's the best the weather's the weather's always perfect you yes. can always go for a hike you can go to the beach you can go that's exactly what i say i oh every time i every time i go to the beach i was out at newport beach uh, manhattan beach the other day shooting something and i thought i called my wife i go why don't we live down here like this is gorgeous i mean it's brisk it's like yeah. 65 the sun's out it's just, and there's nothing but beautiful people around. I was like, where are, why aren't we down here? Uh, yeah, it's too far from show business. Yeah, well, it's real close to the airport, though. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. I started thinking, like, yep. maybe we'll, maybe when I have a busy month one month, we'll get a house down there for the month. Oh, that would be the goal. So make enough money where you get a place down there. Although, that, if you've looked, it's insane insanely expensive i'm talking four blocks from the beach is now four million dollars for a house smaller than the one you're living in i know know. and that's not to suggest it's small no Uh, i just you know we both have uh nice houses yeah but you know there's a certain modesty compared to what else is right here in town but yeah a three bedroom there is four million dollars four blocks from the beach it's it's insane how expensive that yes. area is you, you want you think what i want is one on the beach well that's not going to happen i mean you know you shouldn't ever say i can't have that dream yeah but to me it's foolhardy yeah because the the ones on the beach must be 15 million dollars minimum oh yeah 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 and they're always they're usually they are owned by someone who rents them out they're yes. not and they're just an income property or yes or they're corporations yeah or it's uh venture capital money that's apparently what's moving in there now really yeah yeah it's all yeah different money but what whatever i mean you're gonna think about it your taxes are one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year if yeah. if not 200 yeah so Let's say you're able to buy it cash. You're still going to have to come up with 200k a year just for your taxes. We're we're so fucked right now in this house because we pay nothing for it. We got it at the bottom of the market in what 2008, year did you buy? 2008, 2009. Nice. Oh, wow, after yeah. the crash. Oh yeah. Nice. And we went in and we put 20% down and then even when we refinanced or whatever to to add on to the house, our mortgage is next to nothing. Right. And it's really hard because I, in my head, I go, I want the big house. I, one time I want the big house. One time yeah. I want, I want to treat myself and get the big house. Yeah. But let me turn this off. Um, Unless it's important. I mean, no, it's, it's not important. It's, it's one of the guys that you really enjoy. I, I, no. Listen, I'll wait. But I go, but I like, 
but then uh, the other part of me goes, I'm very financial. I don't wake up worrying about money at all. Right. And at this rate, meaning like, even if I just, I could, my career could pretty much fizzle and I would never worry about money again. Right. Because we don't owe that much. Right. Plus you've already built your business. Yeah. And I'm like, I can make, I can make solid money for the rest of my life. Yes. If I just don't get like manslaughter, something really bad that would yeah. fucking right. change. Everyone's like, wow, he drank and drove and killed a person. Yep. He's not fun anymore. <laughs> nope. I can't go support that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think of all the things that people will support? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into politics, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So when did you meet your wife out here or in New York? I met her in the airport in Kansas City. Yeah, we we're both. We, she'd been living out here for four years, and I had just moved out here six months prior. And we both gone back to the Midwest for Christmas, and uh, we happened to both be on the same flight leaving uh, MCI, which is the Kansas City airport, yeah. and on the same flight, same airline, obviously, blah blah. And uh, her brother recognized me, and he starts talking to me. He's way overly familiar. He's like Dave. What are you, why are you going to L.A.? And I'm looking at the guy going, how do I know him? Yeah. And uh, halfway through that, I was like, oh, oh, I don't know him. Okay, okay. He There's a very attractive woman woman next to him. And so um, she we're chatting for a while. Then I sit down and she plops down beside me, hands me her business card and said, my brother. And I'm like, oh, brother, said, uh, I don't have a celebrity coming to my New Year's Eve party. You should come. And I said, uh, well, I'll come to your new year's eve party but you still won't have a celebrity this was a long time ago folks <laughs> so anyway i uh she and i start talking she's from a family of six kids i'm from a family of six kids irish catholic all that whole business and so it's just such an easy conversation i was like wow and she told me it didn't bother her that i'd had a stroke and uh, i know you know my lip goes down when you i had a stroke talk. no no i've never had one <laughs> i said well that's very kind but i have not had a stroke <laughs> that's my wife though Jesus. Didn't yes. bother you that you yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You would love her. Oh. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, that went on. That was easy. And then it was Vanguard, which is like Southwest. No seat assignments. And they had saved me a seat. I was literally the last person on the plane. And I was like, ah, do I want to sit with people from that know me from TV? But the woman is very attractive. And so we sat there and she, she and I are flirting right away the whole flight. And uh, halfway through the flight, Pat, who's in the middle, goes, because Lee was being very quiet very demure and it's not like her yeah and pat was just puzzled like it's like oh my god it was david are you attracted to my sister and if you knew pat you'd know he would say this yeah. are you attracted to my sister because i think lee you've met your match i think david you're gonna be around for a long time now i thought i put my hand this is 1997 so you could still touch a woman and not it well it might be creepy i think I, put, I touched her knee and said what do you think uh and she says at this to this day that in that moment she was thinking i know he's gonna be around a long time because that guy's gonna be my husband really no i'm a guy all i'm thinking is i hope one day i get to hold her hand yeah you know that might be a metaphor yeah <laughs> but uh so she, I, we moved seats i sat right beside her which is worse because now you gotta turn yeah all the way left and then it hurts your neck but so she gave me a ride home uh, I was living in the Hollywood Hills and I was joking, we're probably going to eat there, we're going to eat there. And she's thinking, I know, because we're going to get married. Yeah. And uh, I think I kissed her on the hand that night. And then I went to her New Year's Eve party, whatever it was, three or four days later. Now, being a typical guy, I went to two other parties before that. Because, you know, being a guy, you're thinking, I know I've got, you know, a fish on the line. Yeah. <laughs> so let me see if there's something that's better yeah. before I get there. Crab pots are filled up right? deep, in deep water. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. I hadn't heard that. That's an old fisherman's term, huh? Anyway, so I uh, went over and uh, we had a nice time. And, and uh, so I think I sent flowers a day or two later. And uh, here's the funny part. She, uh, she'd forgotten my name. And so she told all the girls at the office, this is before the New Year's Eve party. I think I called her the next day and she'd forgotten my name and she would told all the girls at the, at the place where she worked, which was a post-production house. And uh, so I called and the, 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 the receptionist puts her hand over the phone. And she's like, Lee, airplanes on the phone. That was <laughs> airplane. Yeah, airplane. <laughs> So anyway, she got my name. <laughs> airplanes on, airplanes the on the phone. But uh, so, yeah, I could say that she and I have been together literally since the moment we met. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then we were dating and then we got engaged nine months after we're dating. And then we got married nine months after that. So. Oh, yeah. so that was that's a quick. Yeah, but I was older and I was done. I was like, I don't. How old were you guys when you met? 32? Uh, 33. 33. I was 33. She had just turned 30, I think. It was turning 30. My wife, yeah. is, my wife was 30. I was 29 when I met my wife. Uh-huh. And she was 31. Uh-huh. But, Which is about, to me, the right age. Yeah, I was I was done. Yes. I was like, I'm in. Yes. I remember, I remember thinking I would like to get her pregnant first just to make sure we can have kids. Oh, my God. And then I'll, be, and then I'll marry her. That's funny. Like, I remember thinking, because you're, in your head, you're like, all our friends were having a hard time getting pregnant. And I was like, I was like, well, shit, I've never gotten anyone pregnant. And then I said to her, have you ever gotten pregnant? She's like, no. And I was like, oh, we should test the waters. Yeah, I see. No, nah, no. Nah, I, I believe that that's all a panic that's created. Yeah. There, there can't be this widespread infertility. It really boils down to when the mind is ready, the body will respond. The body knows. Yeah. And so oh, oftentimes, I believe uh, a woman might be thinking, I don't really want to leave what I've got going right now and change my life because that's a big change for a woman. It's like, it'll never be the same. You yeah. won't ever have the freedom you have today if you're pregnant. Once you have that baby, they need mama first. But my wife changed everything in her life when she got pregnant. Yeah. Like like a full flip, like a successful screenwriter, uh, had a deal at, I think I had a deal at Showtime at the time and then uh, got her pregnant and it was like, all right, let's focus on your career. I was making wow. 700 bucks a week on the road. Wow. But I had had TV shows. Yeah. So I'd had success. So there was a reason to believe in my, in, in there was, me. There was like, a possibility. There was a possibility, but I was making 700 bucks on the road, had Georgia and I had Georgia and a week, a month before we had Georgia, my business manager called and he was like, um, you're in debt. You owe like 30, 40 grand to taxes. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, you don't, you don't have any money. And I, so I, I went broke, called my dad in the middle of the night. I was like, I, I'm, I'm broke and I'm having a kid. And my dad started laughing hysterically. He goes, ah, now you know what it feels like to be a man. Oh, up. <laughs> oh is that right? That's awesome. Hung up on me. And I was like, what? And he called back and he was still laughing. That's and he goes, awesome. this is what I felt Mike, like your entire childhood. And he was like, welcome to be, he was so excited for me. He was like, don't worry, I'll help you out. I'm not going to let you starve. I'm not right. going to let you have a baby and not be able to provide for it. But he's like, but you need to work. Mm -hmm. And then I got on the road. I did the, I, I featured on the road that entire year and then started headlining that entire year. I headlined a little bit before, but that was like, that's, I think that was the real, 
before that, I was just like a hangout Hollywood guy. Like, you know, go on auditions, go out drinking. Didn't really have a focus. Mm-hmm. I'd do spots when I felt like it, you know, but I just, I wasn't, I was like, oh, I'll just wait till the next thing. I, I booked the next thing. And then once I had kids, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know if this happened to you, but uh, it's been my experience. And I'd heard this, babies bring money. I think so. It happened every time for me. I'd always book up. There'd be a big job right around the time uh, the baby came. Oh, I'm actually get Leanne pregnant one more time then. Do you have two? I got two. Yeah, they're both fucking, two girls. Two girls. Yeah, and they're they they. I, today was like a little bit of an epiphany of like what life is going to be like because uh, I woke up. I, some lately, if I. If I go out and party, I wake up really early. And oh, I, yeah, the sugar. Yeah, I guess down. so. Yeah. And so I'm like, last night we were at the store. I had a few drinks and I got high and I was perfectly high. And I came home and I was and everyone's asleep. I'm sitting in the Lazy Boy and I was like, ah, oh. woke up at like four. Uh, and in I, the Lazy Boy? Yeah. And and uh, go back to get in my bed and I hear my daughter up. And I'm like, it's like 530 in the morning. And I go, what's, what's going on? She's like, oh, I'm making myself breakfast, making my lunch. And I was like, she's in eighth grade. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, you want to hang out with me while I do it? And I was like, like you're a human. And then I sat there and we talked and she, it was so bizarre. Like she just caught up with me and like, is she you know, 12? She's 13. Wow. And still talking. That's yeah. great. <laughs> she was well, like, it's, it, 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 you know, a lot of people think the girl changes at 13 automatically. It's usually, and it depends. I don't know where they go. What kind of school she goes they to. They go to, uh, public school okay but she's going to a private school next year okay and yeah yeah but uh it, it's after well in my experience it was sophomore year when it's changed oh for like, real yeah like don't talk to me she was talking about um girls in her class that are kissing boys oh boy and yeah. she was talking about she's got uh a couple bisexual guy friends and girlfriends and she said today she goes oh what, what can you say dad i'm straight I went, I went so I, awesome. in my head I was so like crazy. I was like in my head I was like thank God but I also was like you can be whatever you yes, want to be doesn't matter. but I was like oh Jesus thank God you. I didn't have to have that conversation right. this morning right. like I'm bisexual and I'm like uh, let me brew the coffee it was just matter of fact oh yeah and so but it was really great and then I drove her to school and we had a great talk in the school like it was really like a great time then I come home for the other one and the other one's a fucking bear <laughs> She's a bear. She gives me nicknames. I don't like getting nicknames. I like being called dad, but they don't uh-huh. call me dad. What were they, what were they calling me last night? Uh, old Big B. Old Big B. Old Big B. <laughs> and I was like, and so, yeah, it's, it's, how old are yours? Charlie's 19, Margo's 16, Sergeant and Audrey are 11, and then Eve is 7. Wow. Yeah. Well, what was it like to get back into the mix with the 7-year-old? Uh, you mean this week? No, like no, no meaning. Like oh, oh I see. After like, the- you, like you, you did, you did pre-K and and kindergarten yeah. and fifth up, drop off up to fifth grade. Yeah, and then you had to you have to start all over again and do it. Yeah, I know. Well, you're less interested in meeting dads. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. But I give me a whole new bit. Yeah, too, because I do this whole thing. I don't know what your act is like, but uh, mine's all family. Oh, it's all I family. I got five kids. What am I gonna do, dude? You know. That's that's what my life is now. Yeah. And I haven't done a special, so I'm going to do one this year just to get rid of all this stuff. Yeah. And then start over. 
I think I'm going to do a one-man show next, not a, not just stand-up, just a one-man I show. i got to be honest with you. I th- I've, I've been thinking I have a bunch of material about Travel Channel that does not connect with audiences. It's just a little alienating, mm-hmm. but it is interesting. Yeah. And I was thinking about doing a one-man show for that yeah. and just producing it myself and releasing it myself online and letting people enjoy it. But but then working on the stuff right now, my big bit I have is uh, my daughter's, I got her period, and she threw herself a period party. Wow. And so that's been the the bit where I'm like, I'm like, well, you, it, you, you definitely in the middle of the country. There are people like, what the fuck goes on in LA? Yeah, yeah that's why you think Hollywood's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's so funny because I have a bit about Margot going through a change. Yeah, but it's a, it's also a great bit, and yeah. I, you know, boy has a different change. Yeah, I finally got something. <laughs> Everyone, get in here. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yes, you can't help it. Like that's what you, how how your life is informed. Yeah, these things happen, and most of it's true. Oh yeah, that's the the one and I the one thing I like about when you talk about your family is that it's inclusive. Yeah. I think it it makes young people go, "Oh, so getting older is not bad." Yeah. It's fun. It can still be fun and cool, and it makes all the parents go, "Yeah, we're not losers no. just cuz we had kids. Who are you friends? Who are your friend friends? Are they what age kid did you guys team up with your friends?" Well, the thing is I I kept all my old Chicago buddies yeah. that live here, and we all go to the same school. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And so that's my crew that we we spend every holiday together, you know, so by and large that's that group. Yeah. But there's yeah, uh it would be let's see. It would be oh it's my daughter, oldest daughter and and then also some of the uh uh sixth grade dads too and and wives and husbands. And then now we've got Eve who's in first grade, so You're starting all over. I know. Again. Oh I know. my God, I don't know if I could do that. I, well, you don't have a choice. There it is. I remember being in... But there's a lot of cool people in her grade too, which is good. But you get, but you get like those young... I remember in fifth grade, me and my buddy were sitting out and we're like, yo, the kindergarten moms look hot this year, huh? <laughs> <laughs> because the kindergarten moms are like brand new. Still young. They're brand new. Yep. <laughs> yep. I don't know if I could have a kindergartner and not be like looking at my wife going, <laughs> I got the 07. <laughs> I paid for it in cash. Yeah. <laughs> but you already made that investment, so yeah. that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So then when when did you, when when did movies start blowing up for you? Let's see. And uh, I got I got to ask you about Anchorman. Sure, sure. I was very fortunate in that right away I started doing smaller parts of movies, which was good. You, I, you just fit into them so well, and oh, you thanks. stole scenes so well. Oh, thank you. Like you just... You, it's. I, I always wanted to say like I've always been terrified to lose my hair. Like, and I've um, always put used sure, Rogaine. Sure. But the fact that you embraced it the way you did was like, it's almost like like uh, my wife with aging. She just doesn't. She's like, I'm not. I'm not gonna get fucking worked on. Right. This is what I look like. I'm ready to grow up. And it, I, I, part of me was like, oh, you just cornered the market in like I'm. I'm a fucking regular guy. Oh well, I didn't have a choice. I was bald. Now Lauren asked me when I first got SNL, Dave. You know, it's up to you. Do you want to have hair? Do not have hair? Something to think about. Now you'll be introduced to America for the first time, so you need to decide. And they went through the list of people that have plugs and wigs, and I'm not going to say their names, but he told me of all these people. I'm like, wow, really? And uh, the plugs then were awful. Oh, yeah. They would take eight strands, and literally, that's why they looked like plugs. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Plus, I just spent nine years in Chicago. I'm going to start wearing a hairpiece? Those guys would crucify me. Oh, yeah. I'm like, who are you? And then uh, my whole family, I got 36 first cousins on my dad's side. What, how am I going to live 
with myself yeah. going, oh, I've decided to be a fake person. That's what you think. Yeah. No, it's not fake. It's it's a business decision. But I yeah. didn't look at it that way. So I said, whatever. I think to this day I might be the only person on SNL that was bald. Maybe that was the problem. Uh, but <laughs> it makes some of the wig stuff easier. You don't have to. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't. I don't ever think about it. You know? Yeah. It's like, well, well. That's the way that went. So I, what? I, I find that... Um, like I, I just, I cared. I was, I, I'm, I'm thinking about. I talked to my agent about it. I was like, I'm thinking about offering Rogaine uh, the opportunity to let me show what their product does. Yeah, because I still have hair. Yeah, but, but go stop using Rogaine altogether and let it all fall out uh-huh. for like five million dollars. Oh, okay. And just be like, my name is Burke Kreischer, and I've used Rogaine my whole life. This is what I have. This is what happens when you stop using Rogaine and just spike the sales of everyone going every 20 year old kid will be like, fuck, I'm on Rogaine. Yeah, I'm keeping this the, shit. Yeah. But, uh, well, but it's true. You can keep it. Yeah. Yeah. You is can your, hold on to it with Rogaine. Is your dad bald or your mom? Oh, I'm bald. See, I, I, that's why that whole, you know, fifth grade biology thing is like, it's your mother's side. My yeah. my grandfather on my mother's side, full head of hair at 67. Really? So what am I? My dad was bald at 25. Really? And so was I. Yeah. And so I thought it was supposed to come from the mother's side. Yeah. They said mother's side. My my, my dad, my mom's dad was cue ball bald. Okay. Like yeah. didn't have a lick of hair. Yeah. I should be bald by now. Right. I definitely should be bald. I shouldn't right. have any hair. Right. But, uh, but you, it's your choice. Yeah. I told my, my, my boy, my oldest boy, because uh, he's a little worried about it. I said, son, if you think you're going bald and you don't want to be, you, there's plenty of ways to, to change it. It's interesting now to see fewer bald guys at shows. Yeah. When you're, you look in the audience and by rights, half of them should be bald. Yeah. And a lot of times they're not. So that's my bit of going out into the audience is going talking to bald guys. Yeah. Do, do, do you go out in the audience? No. Yeah. I just, I just, uh, Dana Gould told me when I first started doing stand up. Yeah. Uh, find a reason to go out in the audience. You're on TV. They'll love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, just that corny, whatever corny reason to go out there. There's, I, I find I, I get a kick out of doing crowd work in that it'll really help me write bits. Like it'll, uh, like if I don't have, if I'm, if I'm working on a bit, if I include the people in the front row and kind of work it, work them into it, sometimes their answers will be funnier than anything I could have thought of. Ah. And I will then, and my riff off their answers, uh, are, will be big and then I'll go, okay, well that's, that's the new bit. There you go. Thanks. So, yeah. So it's like leaning heavily on them. What, uh, so what was, what was, what was the first like I'm, one thing I asked Adam Kroll was like, when was the first time you were scared when you were like, you're like, fuck, well, how's money going to work? Did you ever have that fear? I don't think so. Well, see, here's the thing. I started working for my dad when I was seven. Yeah. So I've always really, worked. yeah, he had a livestock transfer. He built livestock trailers for turkeys. So we were not in the turkey business. We built livestock. He had, a, he was a manufacturer. So I'm there in Tip, Missouri, a manufacturing plant. I started working for him when I was seven. So to me, it's always just work. I, I've 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 never been unemployed. You just it's that men, it's more of a mentality. Yeah, just just work. Yeah, and that's why I started doing stand up uh, in 2010. Work had slowed down a little bit, and jobs I would normally get 
A-list stars were taking. It's like, why are you taking my job? And then I realized, oh, they have three houses, and the housing cra- the, the the market crash of 08 didn't affect Hollywood for two years, and so things oh. started slowing down here. And I saw these people taking my jobs, and I thought they probably have three houses they had to pay for, so they're taking this, you know, third person role, yeah, not the lead. I'm like, wow okay then i asked my agent can you get me on the road and she came up with 11 gigs the next day now they didn't start they were three months out yeah so then i just workshop stuff here in town and uh my first hour was more like a one-man show i had five changes on stage i was doing all these different characters oh really and people in the comedy club people were like what is this yeah what is going on because it was a completely different different rhythm from stand-up yeah it was like i'm now changing into a character costume (laughs) i I did that for at least two years yeah yeah it was crazy i love that though the early early iterations of stand-up of people going with the real freedom like genuine freedom to do whatever you want when you're young when you're you're brand new to it and you're seeing it with fresh eyes as opposed to there is this homogenization that happens when you've been doing it for now five seven years you start doing streamlining into what everyone else is doing because it just doesn't bump it it seems to work easier yep it seems to get it and then you got to get to a place where you start going, oh, fuck it, I do my own thing. Yes. I, yeah. But you have to match the audience's expectation of what the experience is going to be. And Your, the, the expectation of what you would bring to a show would be so high, it might it might be nerve-wracking for me. Oh, uh, you could. You're, nothing's going to nerve-wrack you. But I, to, to me, I, you know, it's still... Like the first time you went on the road. Yes. Oh, that was, yeah, I was like, well, here we go. Here we go. Well, here's the thing. I, at, when I first went on the road, I brought a guitar player and uh, a buddy of mine was my feature and he brought a drum and we closed with three of the old trucker songs. Yeah. So I knew I had my clothes. Yeah. And that was a full 13 to 15 minutes. So I knew I could get out. Yeah. And then my two buddies, I knew if I, I took a, a dirt, then we'll just rewrite something and That's make it work but so it was so crazy yeah, so you know you got a closer you know you can talk about your family yeah. you know I, I mean I, in my head I'm like you could easily do 20 minutes of question and answer oh yes <laughs> I mean, yeah yeah you could li- literally in a in a in a nut in like in a pinch you could be like does anyone have any questions uh-huh. oh okay like I, I said the other day yeah. I was I was running I was doing trying to go all new for the the hour I did and then I looked at the watch I was like I got 15 minutes left and I was like, I can't, I don't want to go into something that they might've heard that is old. And I said, what do you guys want to hear? And they were like, flying dildos, the machine. And I was like, I'll tell them both back to back. And everyone was like, thank you so much. So they came part, for the hits. They, they, I think with storytelling is a little different than stand up uh-huh. storytelling. They want to hear the things they've, they, they, I, I think they enjoy hearing the story again. I think they bring friends for the story. Um, and as long as you're invested in it, yeah. and I'm still invested, and I and I just won't tell the parts I'm not invested in, okay? Because I go, ah, I don't really enjoy that, right? But uh, yeah, and I don't mind telling the machine story, but yeah, the, I yeah, you could easily do. I've never done that, but uh, yeah, they, you know, I still had to do whammies and uh, and uh, lines it's from so, the office, fucking, which is fine, which is fine. Such a big. What do you like better, television or, or movies? Well, uh, movies, but they're not in town. Anymore. Yeah. So television works. Although I've noticed everyone goes, what's your next movie? And I'm like, oh, I've been doing television the last two years, so there's no movies. There's a couple independents yeah. out there that, uh, oh, by the way, uh, in June, Bernard and Huey drops on video on demand. Um, but uh, 
Anyway, uh, it's an independent one. So, you know, it's, it's a thinking man's comedy. Uh, it's not really a comedy, but it's fun. Uh, so watch it. But uh, I just so I don't have any big movies. Uh, because you, you know you're working nine months out of the year doing television you don't have time and then you yeah. want to spend time with your family the other whatever period and, and or go on the road which is I, which is what I'm doing this summer I'm just doing six cities in a row I'm, that's, that's a tough thing as you know about being gone from your family the wife's kind of getting like alright how much longer is this going that's enough that's enough uh, I've gotten that I got that uh I looked at my calendar the other day and I was like, well, I have three weeks off. I was like, that seems odd. And I texted someone and they were like, oh yeah, your wife canceled a week. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, she just, she was like, mm. wow. But my wife does it because of, I, th- I think because of my health. Because oh. I, I go pretty hard on the road still. Oh, okay. And so, and, and sometimes it can get away from me. Like you go in and do press on Thursday and if it's a big market with a big radio show, you go in and they're like, and they're like, hey, we brought in, we brought in the, the party this morning and then oh. I always like I love I love morning drinking yeah so I'll have a few cocktails and then you go to lunch with the club have a cocktail at lunch go Healthy take a nap buzz, yeah. yeah and then you come in and if you're doing Thursday and Friday press get the fuck out like and so Leanne will be like eh she's she's very she's like I don't think you have a drinking problem but I'm worried about your health and that's the yeah. only thing she ever worries about so uh, the only reason I don't drink when I'm home is so that she knows that I'm being healthy oh I'll, that's good I'll drink tonight at the store uh-huh. I'll definitely drink tonight at the store alright um, so so what what tours what cities are you hitting this summer uh, I just did Tampa did you really yeah Did you? oh you went into Cowhead no. or Mike Calta Mike Calta what's that it's the radio oh but yes 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 yeah Mike Calta yes. I saw you in Mike Calta no, no, no. Oh, a different one. No, did you go to Bubba? Yeah. For real? Yeah. No, you went into Mike Calta. Yes, I did. Yeah, Mike Calta. He's my, one of my buddies. I've, I've known him forever. Yes, I, I remember seeing the big sign behind him. Yes, yes, his, yes. Uh, his, uh, he's a really good interviewer. Yeah, he, yeah, all of them were. There's some really great interviewers yeah. out there. You ever do DC? Yes. Do you ever do Elliot in the Morning? I, I'm sure I have. Oh, he's, 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 there, some of my, all my, all my friends in radio are all great interviewers, but, uh. Yeah, I saw you go in there. How did you? How did you like Tampa? It was great. Yeah, Ybor, right? Ybor, Ybor. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. It's you know, uh, it was raining a little bit, so that's kind of a drag. But yeah. uh, otherwise, it was great. We had great shows. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a good club there. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then, how many? What other cities you hit in the summer? Uh, let's see. I did St. Louis, Tampa. What's next? Kansas City, then New York. Then I'd go shoot for a week in Atlanta, and then I go to Columbus, and then come back. I'm taking my wife for two weeks to Italy for our 20 year anniversary. Really? Then I'm going to do Philly. Oh, are you doing? Uh, well, let me guess. The helium. Helium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great club. And what are you shooting in Atlanta? Uh, Dana Gould has a show called Stand Against Evil, and I did it's it last year. It's such a great show. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. And so I'm doing it in this year. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, but I'm gone a lot. Yeah. In fact, I want to tell my wife, like, do you, you realize here I'm gone three weeks solid? Like, I'm yeah. not coming home here. So when I go to New York, then I'm gone for a full two and a half weeks. Yeah. And so, you know what? The other day I missed uh, Audrey's science fair. So the twins, sixth grade science fair. Yeah. And, you know, I'd helped her uh, do it and develop it and all that stuff. And then I didn't, you don't realize, oh, it's Sunday night, so I don't come home till Monday. And she was like, dad's not going to be here for the science fair. Oof. And I I didn't, I I got a late flight just because I'm like, ah, I can sleep in. Not realizing I probably couldn't, because if you're already on the East Coast, you can make it back. You can make it back by 8 in the morning. Yes. If you catch that early flight. 
but I didn't realize it, and now it's already there. And I'm like, ah. Do you have any regrets as a dad? You can't. Well, you know, yeah, I didn't. If you didn't spend enough time, I feel like I, I sometimes go, it's, it's over. Like, like I know. Like I go, wait, they're not babies anymore. Yeah. Like I feel like I missed it somehow, and I know I didn't. I know I was here. I mean, I taught them to ride their bikes. Those are the the only things I ever really, really, really did great as a dad. I taught them both how to swim, and I taught them both how to ride a bike. Yeah. Isla was the best. I taught George how to ride a bike in a park, and Isla was like, I don't want the park. I want the road. Wow. And so I was like, okay, we'll do it in our street. And I got her going on her bike the first time. Wow. And uh, she got right up, came back. And she was like, I think I got it. And so I got her going the second time and she ran into a BMW. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough thing. You're like, oh, to the car. <laughs> ran into a BMW. You ever, do you remember, remember uh, Chris Elliott's show uh, 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 where he was, Chris Elliott's show where he lived with his parents. Yeah, and he rode a bike. He, and he, in, the, in the credits, the bike hit the car. Yes. That's exactly what happened with her. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. So what was, I would love to talk to you a little bit about Anchorman. Sure. What time do you got to get out of here? Uh, I don't know. Let me think. I've got something. We've done an hour. We can, we can, we'll do oh, a couple. Oh, we're fine. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. Um, yeah, I don't have anything until... You guys will you'll edit all of this down later. Uh, <laughs> this is the best part. Yeah. What do I have here? I've got a recording at... Oh, at two. Yeah. So I have to leave here by one. Yeah, we'll do one, we'll do uh, we'll do uh, twenty more minutes. Right. So we so tell me about Anchorman. Anchorman. Did you know it was going to be what it was going to be? I thought it would, but it wasn't right away. So you know when you're shooting the movie, so it's Adam McKay who I've known since '91, and Will, and then I'd known Steve since oh probably before that. Just met Paul, wonderful guy. We're all having such a great time, and it's it's so good. It's, now, when you get, yes. do do you, do you hear about the movie first? Does Will call you up and go, "We got a thing"? I Not on that one. I mean, I mean, I had to audition because this is before Will had hit big. Now he oh. was big on SNL, but you know, movies. They're like, wait, you have producers, and there's a way this goes, and you guys are both new. You don't get to make the choices. The money makes the choice. Yeah. So I had to audition. I auditioned for two parts. I think I auditioned for Champ and Brian Fantana, and uh, so then it was down to like, oh no, we're gonna you know try to get you for Champ, and so it. They didn't. Adam and Will did not say, "Here's who we want." Because they knew how it worked. Had they said, we want this guy, they definitely would not have picked me. That's really? just human psychology. Yeah. So they put the tapes in, I guess it was me and three other guys. And the producer's like watching. He goes, why not that guy? And they were like, yes. So they called me and said, you got it. We can't tell you for, for real, but your agent's going to call you in a minute. But you got it. We're so happy. You know, blah, blah. But I knew those guys. So I think, you know, the only thing I had is I understood what they were after yeah you know like you knew the character uh, yeah i understood what their sensibility was yeah and like i could i could wear those shoes easy how close was your audition to champ to what we saw i think pretty close yeah i think i dressed up i think i wore a wig really didn't wear a cowboy hat i think i wore a wig and put on some sideburns or something like that so when you go in audition you go full tilt for that one because yeah. it was a 70s thing so I wanted to look the part. Yeah. So you know they don't have to imagine too much. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I would. I. I one time I wore an outfit for an audition. I was a maintenance man and I wore a maintenance man's outfit. And the audition was with the guy who it was. He had just done something big and he had a big deal at Fox. He was a. He was a guy from Home Alone, one of the Wet Bandits. Oh, I don't know which one that is. Uh, Home Alone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's does, not. It's not Joe Pesci. Daniel Stern. 
Daniel Stern. Okay. And I did the audition with him. Uh huh. And and when I walked in, he went, "Oh, you, you put on the outfit." And I and I as soon as he said that, I regretted it, and I was like, "I'll never do that again." <laughs> well, that was kind of it. Yeah, like, but, don't, don't say that. Yeah, I was like, like, hey man, it's been a long time since you have auditioned, huh, guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm, I have to, I have to make my target, which is the money. Yeah, do the least amount of imagination. Yeah, like I can see that guy doing that. So, so when you go in, so when you go in, you audition, you get it. Are you like, like, do you, like? I can't. I can't imagine if one of my friends had a movie. Yeah, and I, how up their ass I'd be about it. Like, well, I was over the moon. I mean, you know, they're they're friends, so I didn't feel like I needed to do whatever. I thought, yeah, let's we're peers. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's have fun. Uh, so yeah, I got it, and then it was you know uh, less money than I thought it was going to be, but I was still happy about yeah. about doing it. And then uh, when we're filming it. All of us were thinking the same things. All of us had gone home to our wives after the first week and said, I'm not keeping up. Everybody else is so good. It was me, Paul, and Steve were in this, like, there's a three-banger. They have trailers, folks, that sometimes you have your own, and sometimes you're sharing with three other people. They're 25 feet long, but there's three different dressing rooms in that one. It's called a three-banger, and so that's what we were in. But we were all sitting in each other's rooms, and we I remember one day we were all talking, and we'd all had the same conversation with our wives of, I'm not keeping up. Everybody is so good. Really? Yeah. And then after about halfway through the movie, I remember thinking, this is so good. I don't want to talk about it. It's kind of like watching a no hitter. Yeah. And you're kind of whispering like, this is really uncommonly good, right? Right. But because uh, some of the stuff was so funny, you're just laughing. You're nuts off. Now, how much how much improv do you do on a set like that? Oh, that's all. all you, it's, it's part of it. It's part of the process. Yeah. So you're going to shoot the scene three times once you've got it. Then it's like uh, McKay would say, let's let the squirrel out of the bag and now let's improvise. So that's going to be part of the process. So you're improvising every scene. A lot of times you're just looking to replace a line or two. So you're not you're not wildly going off script and creating new new plot lines. You can't. <laughs> I'm pregnant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to stay on point. So you might you're just looking to replace a line or two. Maybe you got an alt. Yeah, but you'll never beat McKay's alts because I would hand him a couple of ideas and I'm like, oh, that's good, and then he'd immediately rattle off four that are ten times better. And you're like, amazing, yeah, amazing. I thought I had something about you know replacing a kidney. Like one of my lines, I think I thought was really good. Like, uh, I just got back from Thailand. I went to a veterinary hospital and we replaced a kidney or something like that. Yeah, no, no, liver. And it's my third time, whatever. But. Whatever McKay came up with, with was more economical and funny. Yeah. But so, yes, you're, you're going to part of the process is you'll shoot it three times, but then you will 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 improvise and you might get something new or maybe you won't. Um, like uh, for the first movie, uh, I shit a squirrel was new. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the old line, the, the original line was I woke up in a Japanese family's restroom uh, uh, rec room and they would not stop screaming. Now that's on several of the DVDs, and I noticed when I would do the lines, like oh the one the one that made it in the movie was uh, I woke up this morning and I shit a squirrel. <laughs> Hell of it is the damn thing's still alive. And then you know later Corral goes I think I ate your chocolate squirrel because he's listening. Yeah. So amazing. But I noticed when I do that line about the Japanese family's rec room that was the PG version. Most people in the audience had done had watched. Uh, the one where you shit a squirrel. Yeah. So you figure out which lines you're going to do for the audience, you know, like three or four, and then we're done. That's great. And so, and so when you get done, oh anyway, but yes, back to the movie. It was yeah. it was an amazing thing, but I, I don't believe the studio quite understood it. 
And so what they did was uh, they, they dumped it into uh, an August release. Not a ton of press behind it. Uh, we did a bunch of press, but not, not, a, not a huge push. Um, and it was a modest hit. It made $84 million at the box office. It wasn't, it wasn't a $100 million movie, which at that point was the benchmark for that's a successful comedy. Really? It became successful later on DVD and video uh, on demand or just cable. About five years later, it became a pop culture phenomenon. I remember, I remember being in a poker tournament when it came out. And uh, and everyone was like, and by the way, all these guys are from Missouri. Oh my god! Uh, uh, everyone was like, "This is the greatest fucking movie I've ever seen." That's funny. And then I and I was like, "Really?" So I went and watched it, and I was, I was doubled over throughout that movie. Yeah. Well, real comedy people get all of it. A lot of people were like, "What?" And they wouldn't get it until they saw it a second or third time. Yeah. And people still say, "I watched it again the other day, and there's stuff I'd missed." Oh, uh, entirely. I got to be dead honest. <laughs> The the most recent one, the second one, the second one, was better than the first one in my opinion because I knew the characters. Here's the other thing: is like I, this is going to sound like this is going to sound like uh, not hearsay. It's going to sound like sacrilege. Mm-hmm. I never ever expected Steve Carell to be funny. Meaning, I knew that he was in you know, in on the daily show right. and in the office. I didn't expect so whenever he came into a movie and was absolutely hilarious, I never expected it. Like and so it it always caught me off guard and made him ten times funnier to yeah. me. Like He's, I always saw him more as a serious guy uh-huh. and less as that goofy fucking He's incredible. He really is. He's incredible. He he can he's he's laser focused and he can do fractional comedy. I mean, like he'll hit something here and then go over there, and you're like, wow, you're doing two things at once, and you're so funny, and like everything you say is hilarious. He's super bright, and uh, you know the the I love lamp I think was his, and then he just kept doing it. Yeah, like I love lamp, I love lamp. Like that wasn't in the script. Yeah, he made it emotional and and uh, 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 intellectual decision. I'm going to do it like this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to add that. You know. Yeah. And like if Brick's fear of of bears, <laughs> and and then now there's fear of women's menstruation. They bring bears. Yeah. Like like he linked all that. Like what did you? How did that come out? <laughs> Come on, Corell, where did this come from? He's just like divining things. So when you the day before you go in to shoot, are you up at night rehearsing your lines with your wife or do you Oh, you know you can't rehearse with your wife. That's all I've ever rehearsed with. And she, she's so much better of an actor than me. Oh, well, so but she's in the business. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my wife would be more like, is that how you're gonna do it? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. That's I what learned, my wife does. I le- that's what my wife yeah, does. Yeah, that's why you don't you don't rehearse with your I wife. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, my wife's like, stop you. You're not listening. And I'm like, what? What? You know, I can tell you're not listening. I'm like, she's very critical of me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's why I don't rehearse the And so are you, are you doing the scenes and then like thinking of punch up lines in your head going, I'm yeah. bringing the heat tomorrow. Also, but at the same time, I, for the first one, I was thinking like, we can't beat these lines. These yeah. are awesome. These are amazing. God. But I didn't realize, well, we got it. We got it. We got it. Trust the process. You know, it's going to be fine. So, no. when it, so when it came out and you... You didn't feel the pop until like a couple years later? Uh, let's see. No, I started getting work right away. Right after that, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, Will there, Ferrell's obviously hilarious. Yes. Everyone's funny in that. But like, I think, in my opinion, I think everyone's opinion, you and, and Steve Carell 
were almost like uh, like breakout stars in that. And obviously, Will's hilarious yeah. in that movie. There's no question. But like you guys were just such a like almost like everything you said was a breath of fresh air, a, 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 another, an extra laugh. Oh, you were only there for laughter. Like that's yeah. such a great role to have where right. you're oh, you don't have to move anything forward. Yes, you're just there to laugh. Yeah, just hit, just a hit. Okay, great. Yeah, no fielding. Okay, <laughs> just at bat. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you're, you're going to tell me what the pitch is? Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> what do you want? You want a single, double, or a bunt? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's fucking great. Yeah, it, it really was great. And, and so then everything started pouring in right after that? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I always worked. But certainly more movies than happened at that point were... Or, and, you know, you got to a... <clears throat> there was a, a period of time when it wasn't an audition. It was just... Yeah. Is and that it, good or bad? Oh, it's great. That way you get to decide how you're going to play it. You know, in my mind, oftentimes the thing often when you don't get something is because you go in thinking, I'm I'm hoping to do what they they want. Yeah. When that is like, all you can do is what you're going to do. I, you know, then it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to take what I have to give. Either you're going to do it, you're going to take that or you're not. But if you're in wanting, it won't work. Yeah. You have to be like, here's how I'm doing it. Pretend you already have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's I. I think that I think that my youth, when I succeeded, I came in going, oh yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then I think when I, when there wasn't work for a year, you start going like, I need it, I want it. And then once you stopped caring, once I stopped caring again, I started working again. And now I I don't care to the point. I think it it's a flaw. Like now I'm like I'm like I don't want it. Like I don't know if I I don't know if I enjoy acting. To uh, be dead honest with you, yeah. Like I'm. I know that I'm supposed to want to act, but I really enjoy just stand-up. Pog- I like making stuff. Yeah. You know? Like, I think I'd probably enjoy being Adam McKay more mm-hmm. than, like, Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I-, I probably would enjoy being Will, like, making my own projects like that, but I don't know. The, 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 the only downside there is you're out of town. Yeah. You know? And- I would like, I'd like to do, like, you're doing Superior Donuts now? Well, I just got canceled. Oh, it did? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. There's um, going to be something else. Yeah. <laughs> I can't say it yet, but... It, oh, oh, there is. Oh, oh, yeah, you're not, you're not just saying that, hopefully. No, no, no. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I would believe it anyway. Yeah. But then someone reached out, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. See, I'd enjoy that. I'd enjoy... I'll tell you what I'd really enjoy. Three camera, uh, yes. four camera sitcom yes. on CBS Radford. Yes, that's where I was. Oh yeah, remember I remember I saw you yes, at Big yes, Five. Yes. That's the best. Right. His house we were big. It's ten five. minutes. Oh it's I, even closer to you. I've already I've already and I sadly I wrote two projects. My special's coming out in August. Ooh, I shouldn't say. My special's coming out in this fall. And uh and I, and everyone's like, you know, it's everyone seems to be responding very well to the special and the material you, you know what would you like to do and I you know like a fucking idiot like probably like you said in SNL I was like I don't want to do anything anyone else has I want to make my own thing right and I and everyone's like okay so I wrote two projects but both of them are single camera ah and I'm but and I but that's just where the material was in my sure. head sure sure but I really want a four camera sitcom well it could be and then it's up to them it's like well do you could you think of this uh could you rework this as a multicam then you're like yeah oh that would be the great what pilot did you do that you that you're like that should have gone oh well i did one where i was the lead that's the one you want it was called whitey and it was kind of an updated version of of um all the family 
Yeah. Yeah. It would it would probably work now in today's climate. Yeah. Would have been more uh, of the milieu of the uh, zeitgeist. <clears throat> and um, but it, it was a conflicted production for a lot of different reasons, and so it wasn't never going to go. Oh, plus it was for the History Channel. They were starting to yes, they were going to develop. They were going to try to develop a comedy block. Really? Yeah. I'd be into that. Oh yeah, but they had nothing to pair it with. They developed one half hour, not two. It was like, well, you got to have two. That's the only way you're going to start it. But it was conflicted um, production, so it wasn't going to go. Uh, what else? Uh, Chris Elliott pilot from years ago. I thought was good. Didn't go. Um, I like that. I haven't done that many pilots, so I'm you, always yeah yeah. Just, oh yeah, I guess yeah. You work, you, what did you? What about your kids when they? Did you let them go see Anchorman one in the theaters? Uh, let's see. They must have been really young at the time. Well, Margo would have been too young. Charlie, uh, he wouldn't have understood it. No, yeah. he would have been five, I think. When did they realize you you were who you were? Well, when we would go somewhere else and people kind of really start looking. Yeah. And then they go like, oh. Did they ever ask you about it? Uh, no, they just kind of knew. That's what dad does. But yeah. then when they when they start seeing other people's reaction to what dad does, like, well, why is that? Like, I remember when Margot was like 10 or 11, if we'd be somewhere and she's like, dad, those people are looking at you. You should probably go say something. <laughs> no, honey, that's not how it goes. <laughs> I had two run-ins. Well, the first time I, when I did the first season of Birth Conquer Week, they picked me up at the airport. It was Father's Day. I think it was Father's Day. No, 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 it wasn't. It was, it was uh, Sunday football. And we stopped at Magic Johnson's Chili over on La Tierra. I think it's on La Tierra off of La Cienega. And it was all all black dudes in the bar watching and one black guy recognized me. And he's like, oh shit, is that Bertha Congra? Oh my God. And lost his shit. And then everyone kind of was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and our premiere had been really big for, and so, and they had played it a lot. And so they all wanted to get pictures with me. My daughters witnessed that. And and then the manager came up who was a black guy and he comped our meal and it was really nice. And yeah. all, like my daughters put two and two together and they're like, black people love dad. <laughs> so, so we would go to the That's mall funny. and they'd point out black people like dad, oh dad right over there. And like, I'd be like, stop, stop. <laughs> Don't point. And then, and then one night I was putting them to bed. I sell shirts on the road. That's my face and Russian propaganda art. And, uh, and it says I'm the machine in Russian and they always warm to bed and one night I was putting them to bed and I heard them talking and I was like what's going on guys and George was like dad did you rob a train oh my gosh and I was like oh fuck I was like here's where it catches up but yeah I can't imagine that uh, it's always an interesting to to watch a regular dude yes navigate navigate that with his children's of like going like listen it's you know it's just gonna happen yes you know, yeah. don't don't get used to it. You're not. A, you're not. I mean, I, I feel like you never would have raised your kids, famous Hollywood kids. Oh no, uh, you know, to me, uh, uh, if they take an acting class, it's because it's the same as a music class to me. Yeah, it's like, oh, we have an opportunity to expose them to the arts. Great. It's the same as baseball or soccer or football or or basketball or volleyball. It's also you're doing an acting class. You're gonna take a music class just to see what they dig. Yeah. 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 One of the scripts I wrote, my daughters are, well, all the scripts I wrote, my daughters are in it. And my daughter's, my youngest daughter's like, I get to play me, right? And I'm like, nah. Well, you can audition. 
I'm not hanging out with my daughter all day. I know. I, know. I lose my fucking mind. Yeah, it'd be tough. That would be tough. <laughs> well, we, me, you, and Segura got to do a theater together. One I would. Time. I would love it. I told I, when we. I talked, know. Yes, you said. I texted Segura, and he's like, "I'm fucking in. Let's wow. do it." Wow. And he was like, "Let's do." He was like, "Let's do an off market that we wouldn't normally do, like Montana." Oh, that's great. He was like, "Let's go to Montana, like B- B- Bozeman or whatever. One of those, one of those markets." And I was like, "I'm fucking in." I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. I'll send the text to the three of us. Okay. I love we'll it. We'll get it set up. I love it. Yeah, I met Tom on an airplane. Uh, he was going to Tacoma. I was going to Seattle. Yeah. And he was heading on from there. I think that might be the first time we actually met Met or something. And one of those like, hey, I know you. Yeah. That's fun, though. I mean, I'm sure, you know, now, too, when you run into people you don't know, they give you a look of like, oh, hey. Oh, I'm Norm McDonald was the oh, Norm McDonald's probably the, my favorite. Like, and you know, Norm fucks around a lot, so uh-huh. you can't tell if he's being honest. Mm-hmm. But uh, I walked into the back of the green room at the store, and he went, "Ah, Bert Kreischer, I'm a huge fan." Wow! And I was like, in my head, I was like, "Is he or is he fucking with me?" Ah. Like, but I'm a massive Norm fan, right? And so I was like. <gasps> Oh, like it, yep. that made to my get day. recognized by a guy you adore is is the best. Oh, oh uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, we'll, I'm gonna set that up. Me you and Tom. All right. So I'm glad we did this. I'm really glad we did yeah, this. Same. Next time, next thing you know, me and Tom are gonna be out in Montana having cocktails on the road. Oh, I'm already <laughs> excited. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny server girl will be like where's a good dinner spot oh, oh a nice steak he's the best to go he's a fucking foodie really okay yeah he's the best to go out like cause he's like I know the spot they serve great waffles yeah so we'll go out and gain 10 pounds yeah and maybe we'll go out partying in LA one time who ended up who ended up losing the most weight he did he did yeah by how much uh, by like I think 7 pounds oh yeah but he he in all honesty, he can have the title because he literally did not drink an ounce of water for two days. Water? He didn't drink any fluids for two days. Oh, that's not... And went and went and saunaed and sweat out a regressive amount of weight. And I was like, oh, I didn't have that in me. Yo. Like, I literally was like, I won't eat, and I, but I'm definitely going to drink water. So he became a wrestler at that point. Oh, and he was drinking mineral water, so it doesn't stay in your system. Oh, right. I've heard that. He had a he had a guy who was an MMA fighter kind of coach him through it. And so he dropped weight like he was training for a fight because the next day, the day the, the final weigh-ins, we were all having cocktails, and he was just drinking coconut water. like it. He, he was sucking it up like a dry sponge. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's done good with the weight loss. I ran that stupid fucking marathon and put on 10 Dude, pounds. Dude, I don't know how you did that. You'd never run a marathon. No. And you had not uh, trained. No. How did you do it? Just deciding to do it. I think I have that. I I joke about it being this Mickey Mantle gene, but I have this mentality of going, just decide you're going to do it. Like, it's the reason I had to stop going to uh, CrossFit because I don't have, I don't have the brain where I go, I'm going to do this half-ass and I'm going to cheat. I go, I'm going to do this. If they say 10 burpees, I'm doing 10 burpees. And when I see the guy cheating, it angers me. And so I had to stop going to CrossFit because I was doing the workout that they put out and I was doing it as hard as I could and I was throwing up every day. Ah. And so every day I was throwing up in the in the parking lot and I was like, this isn't healthy for me. Right. I was like, I need to find like a middle... I, the, 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 the setup of this workout is not healthy for me. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I just decided, like, I just got out there and I was like, all right, this is where I'll be for the next five hours. I'm that's, just going to keep, keep moving forward. That's amazing. And um, you had a good time. I had a blast. No, but I meant to your your time time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, five, five hours and 33 minutes. Not great. Oprah well, did it faster. I don't know how. But uh, 
but you can also run faster marathons. I'm doing another marathon. I think me and Ari are going to do one with this ultra marathoner and his fiance. We're going to try to do one in an exotic location like Buenos Aires. Wow. And really like really go in. I mean, one of the things that's beautiful about a marathon is you really take in a city and experience a city in a, in a very primal, almost like aggressive, a salty kind of way. Like there's parts of LA where I was like, like I never like jogging down through Silver Lake is all downhill and it was awesome. It was beautiful. And you saw like little late night bars where you go, oh, I dipped into there before. <laughs> and then you go run by the 101, run up Hollywood, and then you get to Sepulveda. That's where I'm like, I don't even like driving on this fucking street and I'm jogging on Sepulveda. Fuck Sepulveda. Um, so we're going to do Buenos Aires and then I'm doing a triathlon in August. Good Lord. Are you training now? No training for the triathlon. Oh I'm going to, I'm going to, I said, um, the only training I'll do for the triathlon is treadmill, spin bike, pool. I'm All not right. going to do open water, real bike road. <laughs> is it a half mile or a mile in the open water? A half mile in the open water, three mile run and a 12 mile bike ride. Very doable, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think. You're right. I th- and I'm going to train, I'm going to train on, on or apparatuses for it only because the one thing that I regret in not training for the LA marathon is that the, the training would get you in shape so that when you did the marathon, you then would be in better shape. Yes. Like when I did the marathon, I just fucked my body up. And so I couldn't walk for like four days. It would be knees or oh my, oh, n- every Nothing worked. Wow. Nothing worked. Wow. Like my, everything was frozen and locked up. And I could not, I could not walk. Like to go to the bathroom, I couldn't sit down on the toilet. I couldn't get off the toilet. Wow. I had to get help to get off the toilet. And then, and you, I was eating like crazy for those four days. And so I was eating and I wasn't moving. I was burning zero calories a day for like four days. And then when I started, and then you can't run again for like another month almost. So everything hurts. It really hurts. Like you go to run and your hips will just start hurting or like out of nowhere, like your, my knee was like, felt like it was blown out. So that's the only reason I'd train for another marathon. And, uh, but I think the triathlon will be fun. I'm going to try to get into triathlons. I've always wanted to do triathlons. Really? Yeah. I I have zero desire. Yeah. Did you play sports growing up? Yeah. Not to no result. I mean, I, I made the team, but I made the team. I'm in Tipton, Missouri. Yeah. So the, the competition's not amazing anyway so everyone makes the team if you go out i do those spartan races when they come around or like the tough mutters those are fun really wow yeah those are really fun and the, i like the i would do a half marathon any day of the week no training easy and enjoy it because a half marathon it is a monumental challenge 13 miles is a long way to run yeah but you're not blown out at the end and you can have a few beers and relax and it's a communal type type setting the la marathon when you get done it is like it is like when you see soldiers coming back on boats and they hug their family and they walk away with their family and they don't talk to their troop buddies anymore. Uh-huh. And they're like, ah, guys, I got shit to take right, care of. Right. I got done that marathon and we walked. I barely could make it. After I crossed the finish line, all the adrenaline's gone and I barely could walk up to Santa Monica over to our car and in the car, my ass cheeks were seizing up. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it home. And oh, you had to drive? No, my wife drove. Oh, my wife goodness. drove, and we pulled into Gelson's, and I was like, oh, "You need to get me a beer or something." Like, <laughs> I need a beer, and she got me a Tall Boy, and I drank it a from Tall Boy, a Tall Boy, and I drank it before we got home. Yeah. Then I got in the pool, and I just started putting back beers, like, uh-huh. like, all right. And then I was fine, man. The next day, whew, I have never felt in the. It should have been water and bananas. It should have been. 
<laughs> There's a lot I did wrong in this. Well, you needed it. It was your painkiller. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot I did wrong in this. <laughs> but yeah, you, if you want, if next time Tom and I do a physical challenge, you, you're more than welcome to join oh, us. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I won't do I have no interest in doing a marathon or an Ironman. Or what about a. Yeah, what, how about a. What if. Uh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> how are you with roller skating? <laughs> I don't roller skate, so I guess that would be good. Do you roller skate? No, but the one challenge Tom and I had was who could, if he could roller skate a marathon faster than I could run it. Boy, see that? I, I, yeah, you, but you're 10 years younger than me, too. Am I? Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, maybe more. I Are thought you? we were the same age. I'm 25. No, before, yeah, 10 years. Really? Yeah. Shut up. Yes, yeah, so that makes a big difference. God, you don't look 55. Well, thanks. The beard, now I, now I have a, a Chrysler beard, and, uh, <laughs> You don't have any gray in there. Mine's mine's I half white. Gray. I have a new joke, which is uh, uh, I can only do it as long as I keep the beard. Uh, I went to the doctor the other day, and um, I don't know if there's any good. I'm telling it anyway. I got uh, diagnosed with Saint Nick's disease, and I have early onset Santa Clausism. <laughs> so because the beard, yeah. <laughs> and I, I've been told I'll be putting on between three and four hundred pounds in the next six months, and I have some magical powers. And uh, right now, I can tell in this room who's been naughty and nice. Just hack jokes. I don't care. <laughs> oh, no. You got to try your hacky jokes, whatever. Just oh. if for nothing else, it's just in self-indulgence. Dude, I wrote, I wrote, um, I love a joke that only I find funny. Yeah. Like the joke I had, the, that I, is like the favorite joke I wrote recently. It's just a joke joke is uh, the Me Too movement made its way to Utah. Uh, the Mormons finally, but they're using the hashtag me five, <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't write jokes like that. Like yeah. I don't, they don't yeah. fit my act. Right. So like I had a ton that in this last special, I was, I had like these two jokes that I was like, they're funny. They're a little edgy. They would not fit in my act, but I wrote a story. I, I took a story. I took one bit and I turned it into a story where it was a conversation where a guy wanted to hear jokes. And so I told him these jokes in that story, but the story starts with a joke. And so I was like, yeah. And so I, but every now and then you, they come to you where you're like, yes. that's a funny fucking joke. Sometimes they come to you in the yeah. shower or somewhere else. Like, oh, this is a whole, oh, this is a whole piece. Okay, great. Yeah. And you're like, where's that divinity all the time? Oh, I have a bit right now that is killing so hard that I love that I go, where are the rest of those? Uh-huh. How come I can write that? Why? Then everything I do should be that good. Yeah. And then I find myself getting, I get myself, I get too nifty in comedy. Like I get a little too, a little too, uh, a little too wrap it up perfectly uh-huh. and and like and and so i gotta i have to like almost and i have an i have an ability to sometimes you know go a little like if i enjoy the if i enjoy the integrity of a bit like i go this is original this is brand new if i need to go hacky to win it at the end like uh like i go all right you know I'll allow myself that. Yes. I'll, I'll give myself the leniency yeah. for a little bit of a hack laugh if I believe in the integrity right. of the premise. Right. You're like, okay, that's a little less than at the end, but they all seem to get it. Yeah. And yeah. so right now I have 32 minutes that is, will definitely be my next special. But man, I am dead serious when I say it stops at 32 minutes. Ah. At 32 minutes, I look at the recorder every night and I go, so that's where it ends. And I just, and I can't, Everything else seems like it's not. There's nothing of integrity that's gonna carry me into the the next the next hour. Yeah. No big stories. No like. Like I I feel like I I feel like I need to live a life. I was trying to get these guys to take a boat from uh, 
from Buffalo to Detroit with me on, on the on the lakes. Yeah, and so that we, I'd have a story. I, everything's yeah. about yeah. getting a story. I'm taking the girls to Mammoth this week. I want to need a oh, story. There's still snow. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there is actually. Wow. Um, and then we're going on a carnival cruise. I need a bit. The only bit I've gotten is, uh, and I can't I can't use it. Only because it's too short, but we went swimming with dolphins in Hawaii, and I'm the whole time I'm like, "Where's the bit? Where's the bit?" And immediately shows up, but it shows up and goes away so fast. Uh, like, and I and it, it was the uh, uh, it felt a lot like going to a strip club with my family because immediately the guy, the manager's like, brr, brr, "Ladies, we've got oh customers," no. and they all come back from the back, like all four of them, and they're all signed to a person. They're like. Ee! And my daughters are like, can we touch them? I go, I know the answer to that. Ah! And the guy's like, yeah, but don't put your fingers in their holes. And I'm like, oh, the bit's over. It's already up. It's up and over. And so, yeah. So hopefully I'll have a bit this weekend. Uh, No, you'll get, you'll gain one. Hopefully I get, I'll gain something. Yeah. And then the next carnival cruise. That should provide you some good elasticity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, man. This has been fucking fantastic. You and you, I got to say, you and Rob Riggles are the only two guys that I was like nervous to have in. Really? Yeah, because, but Rob, uh, Rob, by the way, mentioned you in the podcast that I did with him, uh, how you credit, he credited you and getting him into UCB. Uh. He met someone and someone's like, uh, David Koechner's got a. Got got some friends doing UCB. You're on SNL, and you called over, and they were like, "Oh yeah, of course, you can start taking classes." Oh, that's nice. I, um, I yeah, you, you always forget if you've ever done something. Oh, nice he, he had nothing but fond things to say yeah. about you. He's a great guy. He's a really amazing guy. He, you know, he went to. He knew my wife before I did because he's from Kansas City. Yeah, and he did. Uh, he went to the same high school. He was a couple years younger, but they they knew each other. Really, it's so interesting how life works like that. And so we, he was in New York, and we all had dinner one night, and that's the first time I'd met him. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he was, a, it was, a good, he was a good interview because I don't think he knew what to expect coming in here, uh-huh. and I think he part of him was like, uh, was like. Like I think his his publicist was like he can he can only stay for like uh, like right around an hour and then I wrote back I was like if my fans if it's at an hour my fans will think that we didn't get along ah. like it needs to be over an hour for them to go oh this was a good one right like hour and a half is perfect for my my fans go hour and a half great I can listen to the whole thing in one car ride I can maybe chop it up on both my car rides um, they all the, oh they would love the five hour ones but oh my god oh those were that's when drugs are come out and Ooh, yeah you had five hour ones oh yeah boo and okay it's usually like oh so it's a four, party it's a it's four people in okay. here yeah and everyone's wasted and so everyone's smoking weed and you're saying things that are massively regrettable because about two hours in you're like no one's listening anymore and you say it and those are the ones that people drink up but he came it's in it's interesting because they start hearing that because we all see this if you're not drinking you know when your friend just crossed over yeah they went from sober to you're now inebriated so i'm sure when they're listening they go oh he's drunk now oh he's just getting drunker yeah oh my god he just got stoned now his entire personality has changed to this really almost i would say predictable channel <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's got to be very interesting it's uh it's it's really fascinating i did one with john reap that was like it was like three and a half hours, four hours. Wow. And we were so drunk that like, he, 
the 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 quintessential point of it was at the beginning we had talked about the n-word and we had used the n-word as saying what we were talking about and by the time reap's drunk he's just saying the n-word oh my god he's like no you know the word i'm not gonna fucking say it like it just and it just spiraled out and everyone everyone loved it yeah like because it's you know i think there's a you know a little bit of truth in those boozy yeah but there's also the idea of I'm I'm not gonna uh, the word is the word it has no connection to me in what I the yeah. other person's use of it yeah I, the purity of like this is a word just like table yeah and it takes away the awfulness of it I think so it's and all intention it it is entirely intention and I think that you know in, entirely I don't yeah. think that it's like Greg Fitzsimmons said have, said to me one time have you ever said the N word and I said. Oh, and he goes, don't lie to me. And I was like, yeah, obviously I've said it. And he goes, oh, God, what if she had said the N-word? Wow. What if she was like, oh, wait, you mean? That was Alexa, just so you know. For no reason. This is the first time the entire, oh, because you asked a question. Oh, did I? That's what it was. Oh, yeah. Oh. And uh, and then he goes, there's a difference between saying it and using it. Yes. He goes, I, he goes I've never used it. But of course I've said it. Like I'm not a like I've sang it. I've to say that I've never sang it, said it is ridiculous because I've been listening to hip hop my whole fucking life, right? And I've been singing it nonstop. Yeah, and of, of course, but that's the big difference. But yeah, those boozy ones get fucking great. And my point was, Rob Riggle spoke very highly of you, and I was like, and I think he didn't know what to come do, was going to happen, and, and it was a really great podcast. We just talked about his military service, and which he's super proud of. Oh yeah, he and should really, be, and and really enjoyed. And we got done, and he was like, "That was great." Oh good. Why he's, don't you have a podcast? I don't have time. Yeah, but it's so it's, it's like this. I know, like this. I don't have time. One hour a night. This. I know, but I have five kids. This. Do one with your kids. Oh my god. <laughs> See, it's, here's the thing. If I did a podcast, my wife would take it over. You should do a family podcast. Mm-hmm. I family podcast where you like one night a week the mm-hmm. family oh sits just one down. once a week yeah once a week. oh you only do yours once okay i do once i do two a week now i know but then then people go like why aren't you bringing your family on the road i want to see those people you had talked about doing a show for travel channel for a second yes you and i talked about that yes fa- like a family road trip thing. yeah and we did it and it was terrible really and i'm so glad it didn't happen really? i was i was against it my wife was hell-bent on doing it really so i relented and then it didn't turn out to be what i thought it was going to be and all the promises that were made weren't kept and i was like thank god that's over yeah, I can't yeah. work with my family. They loot, make me crazy. It's, it wasn't them. It was the the producers. I was not very really? happy with. Yeah, really. Yeah, no, yeah. No. Producers of reality really do suck. Sometimes. They tell you one thing, and then okay, here's what's really going to happen. You're like, ah, and it's no fun. Yeah. To bring the family out there, this is not a real vacation. No, it's work. Yeah, it's all work. And my wife really believed. Like, we'll probably stay three days somewhere else. You know, they're like, no, no. If you got this much time to produce the show, it's all spent doing the show. Yeah. So we're going to take our kids' summer away. They can't play sports. They can't hang out with their friends. They can't do anything else. We're going to be on the road doing this thing. Yeah. Now, yeah, I would I would have given part of the money and whatever, but they're going to sit down like mules after a week and go, I'm not doing that anymore. Oh, yeah. My daughters and I, we did a scripted thing for scripts. It was uh, like, and it ended up being very funny, but I am a, I'm a little bit of a micromanager and my daughter's favorite parts of acting are outtakes. Uh-huh. So all they did were outtakes. 
all they did were flub lines. All they did, and they thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And I was so angry by the end of the first day going, guys, we're going to be here all fucking day. Like, you got to wrap it up. Just say what we wrote. Say what we wrote. And then the one line that we used in it that is so much funnier is uh, Isla came up with her safe word which is motherfucker. <laughs> and she's like, no one's going to say that to a kid, dad. And I was like, that's going in the special. There you go. Yeah, here's a fucking home run. But yeah, I'd, I would be interested to see a family podcast or a podcast with you and your wife. Uh, once, but, yeah. Once a week. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. <laughs> what about the week you don't, you're not getting along? Oh, those are the good ones yeah, I want to listen I'm sure, to. I'm sure that would be that's the best. That's the one I want to listen to. If you really do the honesty and, she's, you know, and she says, here's what really bugged me about you this week. Or oh, that would do. And you talk about parenting. You know, you could take over the parenting landscape. So the thing about podcasting is, if you find the at, like, like uh, fighter and the kid went in and took in went into sports instead uh -huh. of humor, yeah. sports, and they own sports because they were the number one sports podcast. And then that helped grow their fan base way beyond what just being in humor. If you yeah. did something fa like family, family matters with the the I, Keckner family rules. Okay, but. But then we would start relating stories about my children. Yeah. And then now, now they're not making the decision to be the subject of a very public address. That's, it's called, it's what, called my last special. <laughs> I, you know, the thing is, that's not my trade. And yeah. then, then, then my business changes. Yeah. Then it becomes like, oh, we want to see your whole family on the road doing the podcast. That's where the money would be because yeah. you'd sell out two shows a night at a theater. But then what's going to happen is something magical is going to happen that first one. And you kind of say, hey, let's talk about that same subject, kids. And they're not going to have the <laughs> professionalism to replicate what happened earlier because it's all got to be just magic. Yeah. Or if, you know, if they if you do take that on the road, they're going to be like, I don't feel like it. Yeah. And so maybe some one of the kids is, uh, or, or I've got five. There's no way they're all going to come do it. Five. Yeah. I could not do that. I'm not sure I do. <laughs> well, let me get, let you get out of here. I'll keep, right. I will talk to you all fucking day. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to text Segura. Oh, I just inhaled a whisker. I'm going <laughs> to talk to Segura and we're going to plan an, uh, an off off-market yeah theater and we won't talk to our agents about it we'll just present it wow because once you bring your agents in it becomes a fucking nightmare okay then i love my agents but yes it yeah we'll just i'll text the three of us and Done. we'll just do it i love it awesome man thank you for doing okay. this you are a pleasure and a treasure and folks we're neighbors yeah. I mean, one one and a quarter miles is what Waze said very runnable yeah yeah <laughs> that i could run yeah that would be my only marathon and i'd be pretty tired after that yeah yeah awesome then i'd have to uber back home <laughs> I, that's what i'm doing for this marathon is swimming at the pool ubering there <laughs> oh are you yeah oh you're so you're you are doing that i think it's over by your house or for not in marathon the triathlon yes the pool's over by your house i think well is it an indoor pool uh, outdoor pool i'll show you on the map okay Awesome, man. Thank you very you don't, much. You don't want to tell people where your training grounds no! are. No. Let's show up with beers. All right. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs>